This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I actually like Robert Sala. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> just going to leave that there. I, 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 I like him less the, the, this year than I have in the past, but this is actually one of the few guys that I generally don't like to take shots at. That's crazy. That that was crazy, that was crazy. But to, in in every you know in your defense, Alex, I I took a lot of shots at Mike McCarthy last week, and I was dead wrong. Yeah, I was dead wrong about that. So uh, we'll get into that. It's Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, uh, with you for the next couple of hours here on Patriots Catch Twenty Two. We got some things to look back. We're gonna do a post mortem. We're gonna talk about the Dallas game. We're gonna do three up, three down, or it's a little bit of a different version of three up, three down this week, I should say. And I'll I'll tell you why in a few minutes. And then we also have uh, Nick Underhill calling in from uh, Nola Dot Football. We haven't done this before, uh, a call in guest, but I I wanted to have Nick call in and and get to know the Saints a little bit. He's the best on the Saints and. It uh, is a team we don't see very often up here. So I thought it'd be good to get somebody on the inside down there uh, that knows what's going on in New Orleans. So we're going to talk some Saints with Nick and preview the Saints and do our key matchups. But I, I have a couple things uh, that I wanted to get off my chest uh, here at the beginning of the show. And I should also say that, uh, you know, I've been a little bit under the weather this week, as you know, Alex and I. So hopefully my, my voice doesn't like crap out at some point in the next two hours. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, the first thing is... Uh, that I want to talk about a couple of things with the, the Patriots offense and, and where we're headed here. Uh, number one, I, I want to address people that have been saying the last couple of days since the, the debacle in Dallas, and it was an outright debacle. Uh, I was there in person and it was not fun to witness live. I'm sure it wasn't fun for you guys watching it on TV. The people that have uh, come out and said the Patriots should tank the rest of the season. I, and it's not like that big of a thing. I'm not trying to make a, a mountain out of a molehill here. Um, but as somebody that is privileged to see a lot of the inner workings of the organization, Alex, you see plenty of it yourself as well. Yeah. This starts for the coaches and the players and the people within this building uh, all the way back in the spring, right? Like you start with, uh, you know, OTAs and off season program and then rookie mini camp and mini camp and all like all the way back in April, the, obviously the, the front office and personnel people, they started in, at the combine and, and free agency and the draft, the people in these walls and in this building are not going to tank. Right. Okay. Like the amount of work that gets put into a football season for this organization is way too much to even put the word tank out there to these people. So I understand the bigger picture of why you tank. And I understand why fans think that they should at least be quiet tanking, maybe not like full on, like, you know, throwing interceptions to lose the game type of thing, uh, but they should be quiet tanking. And I, I get the premise, but I think it's a little bit it's it's so much deeper than that so to that point you know we're going to talk about the jc jackson trade and all that sort of thing and i think that that speaks to it i heard a lot of people that said that you know why even bother why even bother making this trade the bottom line is is that the patriots are not going to tank they're never going to tank and they i honestly don't think that they should ever tank now there's a difference between full-on tanking and what i just said quiet tanking right like you know you're probably not going to win a super bowl this year right they know that uh, but it, 
you're not going to have a team that's going to tank. It's just not going to happen here. And I think it's, you know, I don't want to use the word disrespectful, but it's just, you got to think about all the work that gets put in and all the guys in the locker room and all the players on this team. And some of these guys too, like mind you are free agents at the end of the year. So their, their livelihoods are at stake to put good film out there. No one's tanking in the Patriots. No one. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand how tanking works. Like you see people say all the time, well, why would the coach try this if they're trying to tank? Why would the players? Tanking happens from the general manager level up. Right. There, in any context, it, quiet tank, obvious tank, it, it, whether you're tanking from the start of the year, whether you're tanking starting in November, there is never any incentive for a coach and player to tank because even if the team, the organization, wants to lose games for the purpose of draft position, the play, why would the players want that? Right. They Odds are, if you're a tanking team, you're probably overhauling the roster. That means most of the players won't be around next year. They want to put good plays on tape so they can go elsewhere and still be on a team in the future, even if it's yeah. not that team. The same goes for coaches. They don't want to lose their jobs. They want to prove, whether it's to the organization they're working for, and I'm just talking generalities here, or another organization, that they're still employable. The general manager is the lowest level where a tank comes from because he may put together a team that he looks at it and says, this team will get me in the top five of the draft or whatever it may be. When the coach is the GM, that goes away. Right. So if they're going to tank at this point, it's not coming from Bill. Bill's trying to win games. There's zero incentive, believe it or not. For, and people go, oh, well, doesn't he want a better quarterback? No, there's no incentive for Bill Belichick to tank at this point. No, I mean, his, frankly, his job security right. is on the line a little bit here. If, if they're picking in the top five, he might not be the one making that pick, yeah. and then what does the tank we can, mean? We so, can talk about if he should be the one making that pick, and, frankly. And we'll probably get to that at some point down the road yeah. if it calls for it. So I is there anybody really between Bill and Robert, I guess, would be my question. And Robert's not going to tank. And I, I go back to people might roll their eyes at this, but I go back to uh, you watched the last dance, right? Yep. Did you watched the last dance. It was in the first or second episode. It's Michael Jordan's rookie year. And the Bulls, they're not great yet. It's the last game of the year against the Knicks. And they need to lose to have like a shot at the number one overall pick in the lottery or whatever it is. It's some yeah. sort of draft thing. And it's like kind of big. And they tell Michael Jordan, like, hey, stop scoring. trying. Right. Stop scoring. Yeah. We need to lose this game. And he is furious. They have to pull him out of the game because he means, what do you mean draft position? This is a game that's being played right here, right now. I'm going to win it. And I think that mentality, and this applies to more than tanking, but I think you see that mentality with a lot of the greats in sports. I always said, I believe, like Tom Brady has that mentality, right? He wouldn't go into a season. There was some talk in 2019 or at the end of his time in Tampa that, oh, he's just phoning it in. I don't think he's a guy that had that capacity. I don't think that's something that would cross his mind yeah I think the whole concept of tanking is something it's not even his Bill Belichick considering it I don't think he's wired that way yeah no I where he would believe in that so I agree you can put the tanking away right now that's not going to happen that's not how they're they're wired and again I I hate it when what was it it was it was the Texans and Colts last year no Texans and who was it the Texans beat in week 18 Uh, I think it was I think it was the the Colts. Oh, yeah, they, so they beat yeah. the Colts, and we, if they had lost that game, they would have had the number one overall pick, and we yeah. knew that going in, and they yeah. won it, and people are like, oh, what idiots. Well, they went, ended up with well, C.J. Stroud. Right, anyway. so one, they might have ended up with a better quarterback, but two, yeah. 
where is the incentive for any of those players to go out there and play poorly? Right. They don't care what the pick is. Most of them won't be back next year. Yeah, or part of the rebuild or right. whatever. Or long-term. or if they are, what, they're going to put the team in better position to draft their replacement? Like, tanking doesn't... It, it, the way we talk about tanking in the world of sports is not done logically. Yeah, I agree. So with that that said, uh, you know, just turning the page, we are going to talk a little bit of J.C. Jackson as well. And he was out of practice today with the Patriots on Thursday. But the other thing, like, I, I, I kind of challenge fans in that respect to, like, move on from the tanking thing. Like, they're not that's not happening. They're not going to purposely try to lose games. They're not going to try to, you know, think about that in that sense. So let's let's move on from that. But uh, for the players, for the Patriots, I, I, I've watched uh, quite a bit of, of things coming off this game and uh, everybody's got an opinion about what happened in Dallas and and understandably that's that's the job that's what we do Uh, but from my own film study and then I I thought JT O'Sullivan did a great job with Mac Jones and and his quarterback breakdown as well the thing that I kind of came away from it and we're going to get to Mac and I'm not trying to excuse Mac of his play because this was this was on Mac it's the worst game of his career yeah Mac was was not good in this game we know that Uh, the one thing I would I would say quickly though is that and this has been on my mind I, I offensively and I think that this started last year and a lot of us chalked it up to Patricia and like just not, not having belief in what the coaching staff but this group of players doesn't have that excuse anymore like they, they don't have the Patricia scapegoat anymore and what I was really disappointed about in this game and then watching it back on film uh, is just the the lack of of a fight from this team like the lack of uh, like attention to detail and the lack of of I don't want to use the word effort because that's not fair uh, but just the lack of fight and uh, it comes down to a couple different things first of all teams that can't run the ball you 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 walk around the locker room and like I'm gonna go on a little bit of rant but you you walk around the locker room and you wear those damn t-shirts that say tough teams cover kicks tough teams also run the football Yes. Tough teams block and run the football and take it to the opponent and, you know, take their will. Like all those old cliches that we hear in football. I subscribe to a lot of this. I know I, I'm a spreadsheet guy. I love the math. No, this is crazy. But, but You're advocating for smash mouth football. I am advocating for them to give an F, right? Like that's what yeah. I'm advocating for. So first of all, you you can't run the ball, right? So that tells me right then and there. That that your physicality so as an offense is out I, the door. I have a theory on that, but put a pin in that. Keep going. Second of all, I watched a, a clip, uh, two different clips. First yeah. clip, because the second one is even bigger deal to me. First clip uh, was uh, from the Raiders-Chargers game. And they're both from the Raiders-Chargers okay. game, I should say. But the first one was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is in, in like a tight split. Oh, I, I saw this. This scrimmage. was good. And he chips the end on his way out of the route. And he decleats the guy. He sends him into orbit. Pancake. And, and the Patriots routinely tried to chip Micah Parsons. Routinely. With the backs, with the receivers, with the tight ends. Weak. If your job is to chip Micah Parsons, you chip Micah Parsons. Right? right. Like, that's Micah Parsons. That's number 11. That guy's an absolute freak. And he took over this game. He ruined your quarterback. And all you did was give a little forearm shiver on the way by. Uh, yeah, gonna gonna try to push him. Like, right? gonna try to put a, a a little shoulder shake into him. Right? No. 
when you when your job is to to chip the best player on the other team on your way out you know the old like offensive line guys would say get a slab yeah right get a freaking slab of the guy so that's number two number three the chargers raiders game again justin herbert scrambles and gets absolutely laid out on the sideline by jerry tillery late hit dirty play all of it like drew bledsoe-esque yeah laid out the entire chargers sideline coaches players defensive players the punter guys without helmets on the practice squad guys in 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 workout clothes on the sideline the whole organization got up off the bench and stormed the castle all of them all of them jerry tillerly had to be pulled out of a pile of people and basically like rescued by his teammates because they were all out for blood not literally like i'm exaggerating for the point but like you know what i'm trying to say and for two straight weeks starting last week with the sauce gardener bs and then this week with matt i don't care if you think that mac jones stinks I don't care if you don't like Mac Jones as a, per- a person, as a teammate. That's your quarterback. Yeah. That's your quarterback. When he gets hit and guys are standing over him and guys are, are you know, getting in his face and things like that, you got to come clean house. You got to. You have to. That's the sport. It's the same in hockey, right? Like, right. Ho- like you know, you take out for years with the – if somebody comes after David Posternock on the Bruins and somebody lays out David Posternock. Do you think that there's going to be no response response for that? Of course there will be. Of course. Like that's that's the sport. That's football. That's your quarterback. Like take some pride in it, you know? Like like play up to a certain standard. And it and it goes down to like the the techniques and the fundamentals of it too. If you're if it's 3rd and 15 or 3rd and 14, whatever that situation was, right? And you, you remember this one right before the sneak. It was like 3rd and 14, 3rd and 15. Don't run a 13-yard route on third and 14. Right. Run a 14-and-a-half-yard route. Run the route past the sticks. When you're coming out on fourth down and it's a big fourth down play, get a rub, get a pick, get Juju open. Like, don't just run and, and, and lollygag off the line of scrimmage. This type of stuff has been going on for two years now with this team. Two years now they've been playing like this. And I I didn't think that Bill O'Brien would stand for it. You know, he's not that type of coach. And, you know, his nickname is Teapot. And, like, I feel like he was losing his mind over this kind of stuff. But this has become – and you talk about the turnovers and you talk about all – like, this is is ingrained in the DNA of the team at this point. That they – that this is how their offense plays. And you don't have the Patricia scapegoat anymore. He's not going to – he's not going to shield it for you anymore. So we're coming after you now. Like, show some pride. That's all I got. So I'll say on on that part first. There is this weird take this week that Matt Patricia somehow vindicated by what happened Sunday. Yeah. Um, nobody was saying replace Matt Patricia one for one swap and everything will be fixed. Matt Patricia replacing him was the first step of the process, and I, I wrote out my ten step process for the off season back in January. And replacing Matt Patricia was step one. Yeah. Uh, there was also adding wide receivers, adding tackles, things like that that they didn't do. Um, on, on the quarterback thing, you're absolutely right, and. People want to make that about Mac Jones. The guys won't stand up for Mac Jones. Again, it's a point of pride. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Mac Jones, Will Greer, Bailey Zappi. I, right. I, I don't care. It's not that's that. That is the you point. getting beat. Yeah. That is just having some self respect. I think uh, 
Yeah, so I I, 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 I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I don't think that it's any sort of vindication for Patricia. I think it's players not showing up. The short of the sticks thing, that's been a problem all year. It's been a problem for the most part with the same guy. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster, but and we'll it, get to it's him. It's been a two-year problem. Like, this, these yeah, details, you know, in this game, I thought a lot of... Uh, and I, again, like we're going to get into Mac. I, I promise you that yeah. we're not trying to like ex- make excuses for him. But in this particular game, there is a lot of things that were Patricia esque. Right, yeah. guys running into each other, uh, guys not well, knowing the situation, guys just not executing the route combinations the way that they're supposed to be executed. And this is the type of stuff. And I, I point at the coaching staff and Billy O at this too. Like this is what he was brought in here to clean up. Well, so and I'll remember back when we were going through the offensive coordinators. And yeah. Bill O'Brien wasn't at the top of my list, and you got all annoyed with me. Do you remember that? Sure. I want Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. This was before he went oh, yeah, to like yeah, Thailand yeah. or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Bangkok. Yeah. Yeah. The thing Good with Bill him. O'Brien at Alabama, and you're seeing it again. Alabama's offense last year schematically made a lot of sense, but there were a lot of dumb penalties, and it became very one-dimensional early. Yeah. You're kind of seeing the same thing here. and it, Yeah, I it, mean, I've been on their run game the whole season. So it goes yeah. to my point about the run. You say they can't run the ball. I Maybe how, they haven't really tried. It, and, it, so right, I, but it's not even like a—to me, the, go ahead. They, okay, I get what so you're saying, too. It's the, the two plays against Dallas. There's yeah. the third one in the red zone in the first quarter yeah. where they throw the ball to Mike Gesicki. Mack makes a bad throw. Gesicki makes a bad play on the ball. They both yeah. screwed up. Yeah. Mack, Gesicki, bad plays by both of them. Yeah. Then you have the fourth and one in the second quarter just over the 50. And the game, st- I don't think there'd been one turnover yet. I'm pretty sure it's either a 3-3 game or a 10-3 game at this point. Very much a football game. And look, that tush-push play is great. It's automatic. It's automatic for about a half a yard. It's also automatic for the Eagles. It's automatic for a lot of teams. A lot but, of teams are struggling with it, though. Okay, but well, but here's, I think, part of the problem, why a lot of teams are, and the Patriots are bad with this. It's automatic for half a yard. There's teams running it from like a yard and a half, two yards out. I, 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 know, I know this is college, but Wisconsin a couple weeks ago, yeah. they ran it from the three. Yeah. That's not going to work. And... I, I saw when they're lining up for that play, I turn to somebody. I say, and I'm talking about the Patriots now, the yeah. fourth and what was really a yard and a half. I turn to somebody and say, they, and they're, they're in the formation. And I go, they, this has to be a fake. They have to somehow fake the tush push here because it's too long. The play doesn't get you that much yardage. And Mac gets half a yard, but they needed a yard and a half. And they've become, think about it, how many third or fourth and ones have they gone right to the tush push this year? Yeah. Like quickly to the line, didn't even think about it. They've become too reliant on that play. And I go to those two plays, the third one, the fourth and one. There was a play last week against the Jets. I don't remember the exact scenario, but they had a third and short. And they went to the the tush push, and it worked, but barely. They went to the tush push instead of handing the ball off. And it goes back to something we talked about last week, Evan. This team is built to be a run-dominant team. Yeah, Get under center, put one of your 250-pound backs behind you, hand the ball off to him, and let him go downhill. And... I don't know whether they can look, they're not running the ball as well as they should, but the big picture of that is more about them not breaking big runs. When it comes to third and one, I don't need a 20 yard run. Fourth and one, I don't need a 20 yard run. I need a yard and a half. I need two yards, which say what you will about the running game. They don't have a lot of big plays. They don't have a ton of negative plays either. Why can't you on third and one or fourth and one get in the eye set with Pharaoh Brown? Or just put one back back there in a single back and hand the ball off into the B gap. 
why is there such a reason? Forget doing it. If they do it and fail, we can change the conversation. Try it. They yeah. haven't even tried it, and it's mind-blowing. And I'm not saying they lost the game on either of those two plays. They lost the game because they turned the ball over three times and quit. But are you, for instance, the the right um, out of the gate on us right now? The huh? the third and one, yeah, the, the, or the third and one in the red zone. They kick a field goal on what was a very promising drive. If they get a touchdown there, they yeah. have an early lead. Yeah, the fourth and one. Oh, his answer of that drive me nuts. The the, the fourth and one. Yeah, the the defense actually holds the Cowboys punt. The punt pins the Patriots at the two. And the next play, Mac Jones is strip sacked essentially in the end zone. So it's it's a snowball effect. These things compound. If you pick up those two first downs, you're probably not in a spot where you're pressing later in the game and Mac Jones gets panicked and receivers are trying to do too much and things like that. Bill O'Brien called that failed quarterback sneak a big moment in the game. He called it that on Tuesday. He's right. If you can't pick up third and one, and the, when we talk about the Saints game, I want to get back into this. If you can't pick up third and one on the ground, yeah, especially for a team that wants to move the ball methodically, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I mean, I I go back to 2015, I think it was, and that game in Denver, they had like a third and one or fourth and yeah. one or something for a big spot in the game. And I, I remember coming off that game when they lost that, uh, you know, Dante Scarnecchio had said, if you like good football teams, good offenses pick up third and one, right? right. Like it's not even a question. It's, but I. It, they pick up third and one by just lining up, get a hat yeah, on a hat, yeah. and win at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, hey, that that was his point. I, I I agree with you. Look, I've been I've been critical of the way that they've schemed up the running game all year, and I thought this game fell right into the same trap. First of all, just from like a a game plan matchup standpoint. Dallas is a aggressive attack minded defense. They're a ball hawking defense and they're an aggressive front. We saw that it come full fruition. And that's why you lost by 35 points. So running the ball right at Dallas is not the way to run the ball against them. I, we talked about this with the Cardinals, like the Cardinals outflanked them. They turn, they changed the point of attack. They used misdirection. They used motion and they outflanked Dallas. That's how you run the ball against Dallas. You don't run the ball against Dallas by running gap, like duo, right at them. Right. Right? Like, that's not how you do it because they attack the line of scrimmage and they come downhill at you and they get penetration in the backfield and they blow runs up that way. You have to outflank Dallas. And they didn't even try to do that really very well. And schematically, this run game, I don't think it's using the personnel to the best of its ability either because, frankly, their tight ends can't block. Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki are not blocking tight ends. They can't block. So why are we using Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki at the point of attack? Like, why are we running to the the wide tight end in this offense? They can't hold up at the point of right. attack. Mike Kosicki, lead, you know, coming into like a little motion and then leading up through the B gap to try to kick out a 250-pound linebacker, he can't do it. That's He's not winning that matchup. So... You have to, you know, find ways to use them on the backside of runs and run away from the tight ends and use them, you know, out on the perimeter against safeties and corners where they might actually be able to win that matchup. Gesicki and Henry, anytime they are blocking a defensive end or a linebacker, they're losing that that matchup every time. And you can't do that anymore. You have to figure out some different ways that this this run game right now is is not creative. It's bland. And they have to figure out. Some and they don't trust to, it to but, scheme it up. But I think what's even worse is they don't trust it. And I don't blame them for not trusting it. Okay, because but, they, they they can't block it. 
Like they they can't block it. They, if this they, team can't run the ball, they're not going anywhere. I that we're on the same page on that. I mean that that's the whole thing, and that's why I'm saying that they need to figure out the best way to use their personnel. This is not the best way to run the football with this personnel. And the reason why they've had to run out 13 personnel all the time with three tight ends is because they can't block. So they have to add Pharaoh Brown into the mix, and then they have to have some sort of passing threat. Right. So they have to have the other two tight ends out there with him because if it's like 12 with Pharaoh Brown, then you're, you're real. It's a tell. Yeah, it, it, there's just not much to do there. And they they need to figure out how to run the ball. Like if I had to sit here and say – I think we're both in agreement. You know, what? what's the way to fix this, right? Like, what's the way to salvage it, I think, is a better way of putting it than fix it. What's the way to salvage it? Uh, the way to salvage it is to get your offensive line in order yeah. and run the ball. Yes. And until they get more creative, until they get uh, more imaginative in the run game, they're not going to be able to run the ball. They're just not. Because if they just try to hat on a hat, come right at teams – they don't have the blockers to do it, and that's the bottom line. Well, that's a problem because that's how you pick up third and one and fourth and one. Yeah, and that's probably why they don't trust their running game to do it. I, I, I would almost rather them go down swinging in that sense than keep going the tush push on fourth and two. I, I, which... I get what you're saying. I just I think if you're going to go down swinging, yeah. quote unquote, like you got to be more creative with it. Like, okay, so like so let's get, start can here. Can we get a jet sweep? Can we get you know some sort so, of yes, misdirection? Can that's... we you know like there's just you, the point is is that you can't just especially against teams that have good fronts like Dallas does. The Saints have a good front too, but it's not quite as good as the teams they've played so far in the first month. I would say maybe it's better than Miami's, but it's close. In general, like when you get to some of these games where you're not playing these ridiculously talented fronts, you know, net against the Raiders, for example, in Vegas the week after this, like maybe those are, are games that you can come right at those teams. Right. In these games against the fronts that are that are better than your offensive line, which is a lot of teams at the yeah. moment, you have to be creative. Like you can't just run right at them. So, okay, that brings me to two personnel points. One, DeMar Douglas played 18 snaps last week. Yeah. Fewest of anybody but... Ty Montgomery, who we've also said we want to see yeah. more, but yeah. uh, they ran the end around to Demario Douglas against the Jets. They did it in a key moment in the game. Yeah. Where was that? Yeah. The other thing, uh, all right, look, so you talk about getting the offensive line right. Yep. And we can get into maybe Riley Reef coming back, but we were texting about this yesterday. It's our job to say, you know, kind of analyze this thing. And even if we're banging our head against the wall, I think it's time to bring this up. Evan, I said to you back in training camp, Mm-hmm. At what point do we have the con? Because best five, right? Yeah, that's what you're talking about when you say get the offensive line in order. You're talking about getting, figuring out your best five, getting the best five on the field. Yep. I said to you back in training camp, and this was an honest question at the time. How long can they go before they seriously have to have the Mike Onwenu at right tackle conversation? You said about three or four weeks. If it looks bad in three or four weeks, that's awesome. spot on with that one. Now, as I bring this up, do I think there's any chance it happens? No. Because I think if they were going to do it, they would have done it already. Yeah. But we're not doing our jobs if we sit here and don't don't say that it should be an option. Because yeah, you put him out there. Riley Reef looked good at right guard this summer when they moved him in there. He did. I actually think if you went on Wenu, Reef, Andrews, whoever at left guard, Cole Strange if he's healthy, Antonio Moff he's not, and then Trent Brown, that's not a bad line. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're great, but. We you you love to talk about this, right? You can cover up one spot. Yeah. If you're covering up left guard and that's your spot, and Owen was holding down right tackle and Reef looks like he did it the summer in right guard, 
you might be okay. You can at least be able to like maybe run the ball a little bit better. Yeah. Like Reef is not a great pass blocker at this point of his career because of his foot speed. But, but he, that's he's mitigated a, at guard. He, and it, well, and he's also just like a tough guy. Like yeah. he, he's a hard nosed, tough like road grading type of blocker. Uh, so maybe he can block a little bit. Yeah. Look, I I think you absolutely have to have the Onwenu discussion. I thought Moffy was actually pretty good. Uh, all things he, considered, he's been getting better, which I yeah. think makes it even more of a talking point. Yeah. Yeah. I think Moffy's got to be in there. I would at this point, if you're just going off of... So the, then if, the, if Riley Reef isn't ready, put Mafia at right guard, Strange at left. If you're just going off of the film that we've seen yeah. so far, and I'm not, you know, not to take the the film last year for Cole Strange out of it, take the fact that he was a first round pick out of it. If you just ask me to grade Cole Strange versus Antonio Mafia, I'm taking Mafia. I'm taking Mafia. Yeah, I, I think he's disagree. better. I wouldn't say So I would go... Trent at right, uh, Trent from left to right. Yeah. Trent, Moffy, Andrews. Yeah. Probably figure out whatever you can. Reef, you know, probably. If Reef's healthy, I'd give Reef the shot right at right guard over City South. And, I would. And then, and then on when to add tackle. If you don't, if Reef's not ready, then maybe Strange still plays left guard and Moffy plays right guard. And, and you wouldn't put, you wouldn't put uh, so out there? No. Okay. I think he's still better than so. Okay, and, and I think that like there is something to be said for the fact of like pulling a first round pick a year ago. Like, all right, all right fair enough. But chance. but but the point being like, and and you know, I don't. We don't need to do too much of this because for whatever reason, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but I still feel like we should bring it up because they probably should consider it. Yeah. All right. So that I I didn't. I'm glad we we did this because uh, I I didn't want to like you know everybody's leading with Mac and in the quarterback situation. Uh, before we we get Nick on here in a, in like ten minutes or so, I, I do want to talk a little bit of Mac, and we're going to get to him, I'm sure, in, in studs and duds as yeah. well in the second hour of the show. But my my whole thing with Mac is uh, you know. First of all, the, the the stuff that he put out there on on Sunday is not not NFL caliber. No, he can't play that way and stay in the league and stay as a starter. I should say in the league. Uh, I am. You can make excuses for him in terms of the line. The offensive line right now, Alex, is dead last in pass blocking. They're yeah. the thirty second ranked unit in pass blocking on in every metric. Yeah, they're the worst pass blocking line in the league. So you can make those excuses for him. You can make the excuses that he doesn't have a lot of firepower on the outside and skill positions and stuff like that. That's all valid and, and all true. Uh, that doesn't excuse doing what he did on Sunday. No. Like, you still have NFL guys around you. You still shouldn't be imploding like that. His second quarter was as bad of a football quarter as I've seen any quarterback play. I mean, bad play after bad play after b- it wasn't just the turnovers like it was other the other plays in that quarter that could have been turnovers or were just disaster plays as well uh, it, it it snowballed on him and he fell yeah. apart uh i think the two biggest things that stand out that are you know one is i i'm willing to bet he corrects this week and, and it doesn't happen again at least as badly as it did against dallas is all the crazy like out of structure stuff the back he was across doing. the body? Yeah, yeah like no I, I, that. all that decision making stuff that he did. You know, the back across the you know the two throws across the field, uh, the scrambling one on the right hand side where he basically threw it right to Dallas again. And he just dropped the guy just right. dropped the interception. Like those types of things, I I don't think he's gonna do again. I'll say that if I was the coaching staff, I'd tell him I 
I'd pull him if I saw one of those this yeah. week. I would say, we'd rather you eat a 20-yard sack. Yeah. We need to see that you're not going to be doing that because that's not NFL quarterback. Yeah, play. I think the the thing I'm most concerned about, and this isn't to like, you know, people, they always get on me for taking victory laps yeah. and things like that. I'm really not trying to do that. But in week one, you remember, yeah. I came out and I said that I didn't think Mac Jones played that great against the Eagles. And I broke down all of the like yeah. minutiae as to why with his footwork and things like that, that I was concerned about how he played against Philadelphia despite the stat line. And I got attacked, Alex. I got attacked. People were coming after me for it. They were like, what are you talking about? You don't know ball. You threw for 300 yards, threw for three DDs, yada, yada, yada. I have seen Mac Jones' footwork be crappy all season long. He has not been right with his feet all year long. He's thrown off his back foot. He's fading out of pockets. He's bailing out of pockets. He's not, you know, his feet aren't pointed in the, the hallway, right? You create yeah. that hallway of where you're going with the football. His feet aren't pointed in the right directions. His feet are a utterly gross I, mess uh, right look, now. I don't think it was as bad in the first three games as it was on Sunday. Of course it wasn't, it, it, but what it, my, my concern was is that I was starting to see these signs of his footwork falling apart. And I think the main thing that you have to look at is, to me, the main thing is is that he can't survive into this level playing like that. Yeah, he, I, his footwork can't be inconsistent like that. He can't, you know, be have happy feet in the pocket and, uh, you know, just be. I don't even know what the word is. Just unsettled in the pocket. He can't be those things because he doesn't have the arm talent to make up for it. And so what I saw against Philadelphia was, you know, throws that were short into the sideline, throws over the middle that needed more zip on them. And they were some of these were completed, yeah, but they were leaving yards on the field because they weren't completed as well as they could have been. And this game, it, it was all of that t- turned up to 11. I, I think you could see his decision-making, his mechanics fall apart in real time. He, he completely imploded. And look, it wasn't you kind of said at the beginning there, it wasn't going great around him. The line was playing poorly. The receivers yeah. are playing poorly. You're a first-round quarterback. Your job is to elevate that group. Your job is to say, get behind me. We're going to clean this up, and it starts with me. And Mac has said that, like, verbally. He said it at press conferences. Sunday was not a good example of that. Uh, they followed the body language of their quarterback through and through. Yeah. And it just, you could tell. he. You hear players talk a lot about, you know, how do you come back from a deficit? You can't make it all up in one play. You yeah. can't chase it all in one play, and that's what it felt like he was trying to do that whole game. He was trying to race a, a 14, 20, 28, whatever it was, point deficit in a single play on every single snap, and he's wheeling off his back foot. And Look, I, I thought early in the game, he was running around a lot, yeah. and that goes to the offensive line. I thought early, early in that game, and I talked about how the first drive was promising, he did a good job of kind of moving around but still playing within himself. As soon as they they missed that fourth and one, right that that play with the fumble, buddy, you got to know where you are on the field. Yeah, you got to and, and to be running around with the ball back there like the Mike Vick animation in Madden 04, which isn't real. You can't run around with the ball like that for real. And to do it on your own goal line, that's just trying to do too much. Yeah, and and I think from that point on, and that's why I go back to that play call. They failed that, and I think as a quarterback, as other offensive players, and this isn't to excuse Mac, but this is just to kind of prove that point, I would bet truth serum, you asked Mac, did you panic after you didn't get that fourth down? I would bet he said yeah. He would say yes, and I think other players would say yes, and you could see it because that moment is where it wasn't even, it was before the turnover. People point at that turnover and say, oh, he turned the ball over once and fell apart. No, 
he fell apart when they didn't get the quarterback sneak. Yeah. And I think maybe. some of that is probably, well, if we can't get this, we're in big trouble. And now I have to do things I don't usually do. And, Mac, there's a reason you don't usually do them. It's because you can't. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I also think that in some ways, and in, in both of the turnovers actually kind of in, in the first half speak to this, he hit the, the throw to Pop Douglas yeah. out of structure. And then I think he thought, oh, well, I pulled it off one time, right? And then on the second interception on the pick six, he hit that throw, he to, hit Kendrick that throw to Kendrick Bourne earlier. And I wonder if he had like a, a false sense of security of like, oh, well, maybe I can pull these off today. You know? I think it's both. I think it's a sense of panic that leads him to make these those plays, and then they happen to hit. And yeah. then it's like, let me go back to that. So th- I, I think the biggest thing, though, in terms of moving forward, and it, it, the best thing that I, I could say like for Mac and the best advice that I hope the coaching staff and Bill O'Brien and Evan Rothstein and those guys are giving him is relocating in the pocket is your best friend. Yeah. You are, he's, not, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not a mobile quarterback. He shouldn't be trying to get outside the pocket. He shouldn't be trying to scramble. He shouldn't be trying to create out of structure. He needs to play like he said yesterday. He needs to play within the scheme, right? Within the the framework of the offense. So what what I've always had uh, reservations about with Mac and like concerns about with his, the way that he plays is that he doesn't have that Brady pocket movement gene where he can move in like short bursts in the pocket. So if your left guard is getting beaten, I'm not like picking on Mafi. I'm just using yeah. it as an example. Maybe the right tackle would have been a better example in this case. If your right tackle is getting beat, but the other four fifths of the line have created a pocket, you have to be able to maneuver to find the airspace, right? Like, right. Just take a little step to the left and a little step up and do it quickly and then reset your feet and make a throw. He doesn't, he, he has two, two things. He either bails on the pocket or he throws off his back foot and just stands there and, ta- yeah. and takes the hit. And he's got to learn because of, of the fact that he needs to throw from that sturdy base and that sturdy platform with his feet set, he's got to learn how to make those Brady Jedi like movements in the pocket and have that sense of the pressure and where is the clean airspace and where are, are, am I protected and where am I not protected? Because bailing on the pocket can't be an option for him because he's not going to create yards right. with his, his legs and throwing off his back foot can't be an option for him because he's not going to be able to put enough mustard on the throws to make. Well, no quarterback period. No quarterback should be throwing off their back foot. That's right. just bad mechanics. But, like, Patrick Mahomes can throw off his back. All right, foot. Again, we've established this. He's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. But I'm Congratulations saying, on the take. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like those types of guys can do that type of stuff. He's got to learn how to work within what he's right. his skill set is. And if he doesn't need like move off his spots a little bit sometimes, you know, there's one play where Micah Parsons yeah, he comes up the middle and he's yeah. and he's coming through. But David Andrews gets just enough of him to like knock Parsons off his track just a little bit. And all Mac has to do is step to his right, reset, and make a throw. And instead, he just lets Parsons hit him. Right. And so that those little things like the maneuvering of the pocket and finding the clean air and uh, you know resetting your base and you know little quick move to the left and reset those are the types of things that pocket quarterbacks need to master if you're going to be a really good pocket quarterback and especially one that doesn't have a big arm 
you have to be able to reset your base and make throws like that where you're not you're not scrambling you're just moving like a inch here inch right. there in the pocket if he can't figure out how to do that then this is how it's going to look like uh, not as bad on su- as it is on Sunday but like for the first month of this season this is how it's going to look he's made some good throws staring down the barrel right of, yeah. like guys are coming at him and he's made some good throws but he's got to figure out how to make those little subtle movements in the pocket i haven't really seen him do that at this level at a high level not regularly i haven't really seen him have that type of pocket movement and he's got to figure out how to do that because he's got to throw with his feet set he has to throw on time and with his feet set so you have to figure out ways to work around that I, I don't think, you know, I, and I, I thought Billy O said it perfectly when he said it was uncharacteristic of him to make some of the decisions that he made in that yeah. game. Spot on. It was. there. Were, no one's, like, thinking that Mac Jones is going to throw across the field and throw pick sixes like he did on Sunday all the time. It was uncharacteristic of him. Uh, but the, the little throws here and there that he missed in that game were because of his, his footwork yeah. and his pocket movement. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to get Nick Underhill here on, on the line in a second, so I don't want to uh, get too much off on, on anything else. But uh, I think the other couple of things in this game that were obviously troubling were the injuries, but uh, the, the Patriots did make a trade for J.C. Jackson. Yes. And uh, I, I did want to get to that. And I, I think the trade for J.C. Jackson, is, uh, we went over the whole tanking thing and things like that, so I, I understand that, uh, you know, some people want, don't see the point of trading for J.C. Jackson, but he's out at practice today, and I really like this move. I think that they had to do something to remain competitive on defense, and, and this move puts it uh, there. We're, we'll get to that in a second, though, because I, I don't want to leave Nick uh, on hold for too long. So let's talk a little bit of Saints. Uh, let's let's transition to the Saints, and uh, we got Nick Underhill from uh, NOLA.Football here on the line. Nick, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, Nick. Good. Uh, so I think the you know the first question that I had uh, for you, Nick, is actually you know I always find it interesting how other teams view the Patriots, right? Like, how do you look at the Patriots right now in the state that they're in? And we just uh, you know kind of bash them for the last forty-five minutes of our show <laughs> after Sunday's game. Uh, but what what is what is like the the conversations down in New Orleans right now uh, about this game on Sunday? Well, I mean, th- there's always the, the Patriots mystique, and I- I'm sure that's kind of blemished a little bit more for people that are closer to the team. But I think from a distance, there's still there's still that. You know, there's still the, the reverence for what they are and what they were and-, and who Bill Belichick is and all that stuff. But, I mean, look, I mean, they're they're kind of in a rough spot on offense. And, I mean, I think that's, that's acknowledged. But so are the Saints. You know, they're kind of like weirdly parallel right now where there's just these like totally atrocious offenses. I think – the thing that maybe gives uh, the Saints a little bit more hope than probably what the Patriots have is that you look around and there's, there's actually talented players that, that you assume will eventually get things going a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't think they're taking the Patriots lightly at all, even though they're catching them at a time when they're pretty banged up and they just lost their two best players and all that stuff. But, I mean, Belichick's still Belichick, man. That name carries cachet uh, probably further away than it does there right now, but it, it's definitely still there. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the offense too because – you just said, I think the one difference as I've looked at the Saints is that they got Chris Olave, you know, Calvin, Al- you know, Alvin Kamara is coming back, uh, Rashid Shahid, right? I'm saying I always mess that name up for some reason, uh, but he's an explosive player and Michael Thomas is back. Like, 
that's the one thing that you could say about New Orleans to me is that they do have some weapons down there. And what, what's what been the problem with the offense, though? Because here in New England, obviously, uh, it's not quite – you can't really sit here and say, well, they could get it together because they have Chris Olave, you know, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I think it's three things. I mean, their uh, their offensive line was, was absolutely brutal the first two, maybe three weeks of the season, I think you could say. I mean, they, they weren't blocking anyone. Like, they were losing one-on-ones. They kind of got it together this week, so I think that there's signs of hope. And you should assume that they're going to eventually get it together because, I mean, you go across the board and they got three first-round picks starting, the second-round pick starting, and a first-round pick on the bench. I mean, they, they should be good at uh, at blocking them. There's just been so much resource spent there. And Doug Marone's the coach. I mean, he's, he's a former head coach in the league twice. I mean, so, so they have the players, they have the coaching. I think last week we saw a corner turned, and I'm inclined to believe it just based on some of that stuff. Um, you know, the other thing is that I think Derek Carr's kind of underwhelmed a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously he's just kind of like a like a league average quarterback, but I think he's probably been a little bit subpar so far. Uh, lack of chemistry, some slow decisions, just not really what you expected to see uh, to start the season. And then the last thing is is. And look, I'm not someone that ever comes after coaching, really. Like, I just never really feel comfortable doing it. It's it's always feels like, like a half-baked criticism. But their play calling, I think, has been legitimately atrocious to the point, like, where you can see stuff happening in real time and, and just kind of you're scratching your head at the things they're doing just in terms of, like, how they're attacking certain coverages, how they're using their personnel. Like, it's just there's a lot of nonsensical things happening right now. Um I did an interview with Alvin Kamara yesterday. He didn't, like, directly call it out. But if you read between the lines, like, it was seven minutes of saying, that, like, hey, like, we got to be better at play calling. Um, so it's definitely a thing that they're looking at. Dennis Allen spoke on it uh, this week that, that, you know, Pete Carmichael Jr. needs to do a better job, the offensive coordinator. So, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely not coming together as expected. But, you know, as you said, I, I think the players are there for it to eventually turn around. It should turn around, and if it doesn't, I mean, I, I really do think this is a situation where, you know, if it's if it's the same, they play uh, the Patriots this week, Houston next week. If you don't see improvement over the next two weeks, you know, I could see a change occurring here. All right, I, I got to ask you about Derek Carr, and I know you know how tough it can sometimes be to follow the storylines of other teams when you're you're trying to cover a game. So last yeah. week. So De- first of all, so Derek Carr sprained the AC joint in his right shoulder. This is like the same injury that you know Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacks have missed time with, right? Yeah, he, he sprained the AC joint. He didn't practice like the whole week last week. Came back on Friday, threw, looked okay, went in the game, and I, I mean there were a couple throws where I, I thought he definitely looked like he was injured a little bit. I mean he tried to go down the field to Olave once, underthrew him. Tried to go down to Olave again, underthrew him again. Like it, there were just like a handful of things. They, they were trying to attack to the flats. Uh, it was really, really ugly. I mean, that, their top two tight ends were out of the game, and when you're trying to run screens behind Jimmy Graham, I mean, it's just probably not going to work. So, I mean, that, that's kind of where they were at with it, and it was just kind of a really ugly-looking game. Uh, you know, he's looked okay this week in practice. We're, we're we see like it slightly more than you guys do out at these sessions. Like we see like the first 15 minutes you see routes on air. And then like, there's, there's sometimes like a little bit of, of like a red zone period that you get to see. So like, there's a little bit more of a sampling um, and he's looked okay. You know, I, I think he's going to be, he's going to start obviously this week. Uh, 
you know, I do think it is it is an issue though. Like, it, but they're shooting it up, and he's playing through it. And you know, he he did throw a ball like 50 yards through the air last week. Again, it was a little underthrown, but like he, he's not super limited, but he he is a little bit limited. So, and and just to kind of tie into that, you just talked about the play calling. Like, I'm looking at it. 23 pass completions for 127 yards, right? You just said he could throw a ball down the field, but is is this something you believe that it, to any extent they have to call around right now? I mean, it's just it, this last game was crazy. He threw 37 passes and averaged 3.4 yards uh, a completion. Like, I, I, I've never seen anything like that in, in like, my entire – it was it was unbelievable to watch. It was just – look, I mean, it's – a little bit. Like, I, I think they got to coach around it a, a little bit to an extent. But, I mean, there's just also things, like, if, if you go break down this film, like, you'd want to rip out, rip out your hair a little bit. Like, it, it, they're doing things, like, there's just nothing over the middle, like, at all. Like, they're, they're just, like, attacking to the outside. Like, you're going against, like, cover two, middle of the field's open. There's, there's not even routes, like, going up the middle of the field. Like, you aren't even bluffing how you should be attacking some of these coverages like you know cover three like there's that hole behind the linebacker in the safety like you should have people running routes through there like there's no routes going through there so it's it's play calling and i think cars just not executed well like he's been terrible in the red zone which is which has been you know kind of the story of his whole career that was a thing coming out of vegas that that you know he just wasn't good in the red zone i think they're three for 12 this year in the red zone um it's it's not been good you know, some of the throws down there have been, like, a little bit panicky. Sometimes he's holding the ball a little bit too long on the play he got injured on. I think he was, like, trusting his blocking maybe. So I don't totally fault him. But if you go back and look at it, it's like, damn, you could have got rid of that ball and maybe avoided a hit. Uh, you know, so th- there's just a few things where, where it's just sometimes a little bit slow, sometimes a little bit of a lack of chemistry. Um, but I don't think they're doing enough to, to help him, like, with the, the play calling. I mean, there, there's – the spacing on, on some of their their routes, like they just, it doesn't make sense. It's sloppy. You got people ending up in the same place on the field. There was a, a incompletion at the end of the, the Green Bay game. Jameis was a quarterback, but you have Chris Olave and Mike Thomas ending up in the exact same spot. And like, these are things that that we used to see like Sean Payton just like hammering them to the point that it was like ridiculous about just the proper spacing on splits. Like he would respit, like reset somebody like and tell them to move over six inches and. He was right, though. Like, it's what needed to happen for the play to work right, for the timing to work right, for everybody to end up in the right place. And, like, I just think, like, some of those, like, super hard details have, have gone to the wayside a little bit, um, you know, with Carmichael taking over. And it's it's a little bit of – it's just kind of like a little bit of everything underwhelming. Um, but I think all it takes is one week, and it could click. But the thing with Carmichael is, is last year it was underwhelming. This year it's underwhelming. Like, you're just kind of starting to get to the point where it's like maybe this is just who he, who he is, and, it, and it's not going to get significantly better. This all sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, the the spacing and things like that was definitely eerily similar. I was like, ah, that's you know that's how the Patriots were for 20 years, and and that ha- it hasn't been how it's yeah. been for th- uh, you know two or three now. I want to move over to the defense though, because that that is uh, for both teams really the strength of their their team. Uh, I I want to talk about the secondary in New Orleans though. You know, obviously we know Lattimore, uh, we know uh, Honey Bat. Tyron Matthew, uh, but some of these other guys like Isaac Idiom and some of these other players are starting to step up for them, and, and they've been a really good pass defense. What have you seen from those guys? Yeah, so Lattimore's been kind of, I think he's probably playing the best he's played in, in his career. Mike Evans got him twice last week, so I mean, that's usually a matchup that Lattimore wins. He, he definitely lost that one, and then Evans got hurt, but he, he's been really good. He's cracked 
like the thing with Lattimore is like throughout his career, like he hasn't been like a, a good practicer. He wasn't serious to practice. I, I, I don't think, you know, and that's changed over the last couple of years. There's a maturation to his game and he looks really, really good uh, so far this year. And Tyron Matthew, I think is playing better uh, this year than he did last year uh, as well. Like coming into the season last year, he had something going on in his personal life. He, he left there in camp. He came back. It just kind of took it a little while to settle in, get going, build chemistry and all that. Once it clicked, it, it it clicked, though, and he was good the second half of the year. But he's looked really good to start the season. Um, the other safety, Marcus May, he's serving a, a suspension. He'll be out this week. His backup, Jordan Howden, was out last week. That's a rookie, uh, fifth-round pick. He's been pretty solid. He should be back this week, but he's playing through uh, – he had hand surgery, so his hand will probably be clubbed. So, I don't know, turnover potential is probably pretty low at that spot. Um, the other cornerback you mentioned, Isaac Yadam, he, he – he started the last two weeks. There was an injury um, to, to Paulson Adebo. Paulson Adebo should be back and playing in that spot. Um, but Yadam's been awesome, so I, it's going to be interesting to see. Like Adebo's a very physical corner, but he can definitely be exploited. Uh, he, he he likes to. He's kind of like grabby. There's a lot of PI penalties, so that that's you know something that that could potentially be exploited. Double moves is something that I would run a lot of at him. And then the guy in the slot, Alante Taylor. So much energy, so much passion, tons of talent, tons of upside, unbelievable athleticism, plays out of control sometimes. And, and you know, sometimes in the run game, there's there's missed tackles. Uh, he's new to the slot this year, definitely still learning it. And, and you know, there, there's ups and there's downs. When he flashes, like, he flashes like nobody else. And when he gets beat, he gets beat like nobody else. Yeah, and, and two other just, you know, more veteran guys on that defense. First of all, I'm I'm glad that DeMario Davis is finally starting to get some national attention as one of the top linebackers in the NFL. Uh, he's the type of guy that I, I think could really uh, ruin this game for the Patriots, the way, you know, how aggressive he is and things like that. You know, what is what has been, you know, the key to his ascension, though, to, to getting on more of like a national stage, if you will? It's surprising that people are just kind of paying attention to him. And it's funny, he was like, a, I think, a second-team All-Pro and had never made the Pro Bowl yet because, like, fans just never heard about it. I, I don't understand it. Um, he's been incredible, though. And, you know, it's, it's funny that people are catching up to him now because, like, he was he was probably better two years ago. Like, he's just he, – he, he had this, like, back half of his career here that was just – it's just been unbelievable. And, you know, he's getting a little bit older, but he's just so smart and so anticipatory that it doesn't it doesn't matter like he he's, seems like he's still improving a little bit like in that aspect but he, he's he's just great at everything he's incredibly sound he, he's he's solid in coverage they can use him as a blitzer they like to use him as a blitzer he's really good at that he's just he's just such a cerebral player and, and you know he's he's the guy calling stuff out before it happens all the time like he's just he's he's just really really good really really sound you don't really see him make too many mistakes he, he missed a tackle against green bay but i mean it's like one mistake that that you know the whole season. He, he's he's just such a good player, and yet he deserves all the recognition. It, it's it's too bad, man. Like I, if he was a few years younger, like he's someone that could potentially have like a Hall of Fame case, but he just got off to such a slow start with the Jets, and it took him a little while to kind of like he's talked a lot about like like how how he had to learn how to, to study and all this stuff, and like once he finally figured it all out, like he became like a, a truly, truly incredible player, one of the best linebackers in the league, no doubt. So it's funny, I actually wanted to ask you about another linebacker. Uh, Pete Werner was a guy me and Evan both really liked coming out of the draft a couple of years ago, and it seems like he's kind of started to hit his stride this year. What have you seen from him? 
Yeah, another one, really good, really good player. Like his range is is, is awesome. He's he's really good in coverage. Uh, he kind of makes every single tackle. He's just he's all over the place. Not not like a flashy player, but just kind of you know very like you know you'll look up and all of a sudden he has you know twelve tackles in a game. And it's like damn, like he's just he's just really really good, really sound. Um, you know, and yeah, I think he keeps getting better and. He's someone too that that's starting to be used a little bit more as a blitzer. They like to use their linebackers like in these blitz packages a lot. Like on third downs, they they play three down uh, defensive linemen and they they go to their dime package and they send the fourth. Usually, it's usually a linebacker. You don't know where it's coming from though. Uh, Caden Ellis, the guy that went to Atlanta last off season, was kind of the primary blitzer last year. So like Werner and, and Davis have been sparingly using it a little bit this year. Um, but that, that's something that I expect to see ramp up a little bit. And Werner's, Werner's been getting a little bit more action in, in those types of looks, too. All right, one more for you, Nick. I got I to get a special teams question in here. Uh, Rashid Shahid's been, you mentioned him on offense, but he's been one of the best returners in football, already has to punt this year. We've seen the Patriots special teams struggle at times this year. Like, where's the threat with him? And is he a guy that, that could make an impact in that area this week? Oh, yeah. Every time he gets the ball, I mean, he's, he's definitely a threat. I mean, he's, he's just great vision just just sees the field really well and incredibly explosive gets down the field i'm surprised to hear that the patriots special teams are struggling because that's usually like the calling card for them uh but yeah shahid is shahid has been he's a, he's a great returner definitely a threat every single time I, I try to keep the ball away from him if i could um you know it's funny because like the saints are one of those teams too like the patriots that put a lot in the special teams they got jt gray the gunner he's kind of very slater-ish like a, a difference maker the Patriot or the Saints punter is, is has been pretty bad. Uh, there's there's not a lot of uh, consistency there, so that that's something that if the Patriots need to get right, they might have an opportunity there at some point. But um, yeah, Shahid's definitely someone that can break a game open. All right, Nick. So uh, last one, I promise. I just it, what is your pick in this game? And like, if you're the Patriots, I would say is a better question to phrase this. How would you attack this this Saints defense in particular? I think the offense against the Patriots defense uh, doesn't worry fans as much up here as as going against that Saints defense. How would you attack the Saints defense if you were the Patriots? So I mean, my pick, I'm, uh, my only pick that I feel good about is the under forty points. I mean, I don't know if both <laughs> these teams are going to score twenty points. Uh, it might be a race to seventeen. If I had to pick one team. I, I hate to make the homer pick here, but I mean, I would probably go with the Saints just just because I, I think they have a little bit more offensive talent, and it's just kind of like maybe maybe last week was a wake up call. You know, attacking this defense, they're down a safety. I, you know, I would I would try to get vertical uh, on whatever side of the field Jordan Howden's on, and, and just kind of see where that's at. I would attack the slot because, uh, like I said, I think Alante Taylor is someone that that can be. You know, he he gave up like ten catches a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think against Carolina. Um, so that, that, that's that's one place I'd try to go with it. I'd run double moves at a Debo, and eventually you're going to get a, a PI down the field and get a free play. Like, so that, there's just a handful of things that I think you can do against their secondary, uh, and just try to try to see where the soft spots are. The one thing I definitely wouldn't do is throw the ball at Lattimore. It's it's just tough. But look, they're going to disguise their coverages. So I mean, Mac needs to be, you know, I. I I've only looked a little bit. It seems like he's he's had some trouble with, with teams that do that well, and that's one of the things that, that this defense does really, really well. They'll hold their look until the very last second, and they'll make, you know, they'll give you a quarter's look, and it'll turn into cover three. And, and you know, if you aren't reading that, like, through the snap, like, you're going to make a mistake. So they just need to be very, very aware of, of what their safeties are doing and, and what coverage is there. Absolutely awesome. And uh, I guess we'll see you on Sunday, yeah? 
Yes, sir. We'll awesome. Thanks, Nick. Safe travels. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, Nick. Yep, have a good one. You too. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a great point about what he brings up. And as we kind of segue here a little bit more more of the Saints about uh, Dennis Allen's defense, you know, watching them against the Bucks and uh, this season so far, you got to look at, you know, their their stats of, like, coverages that they use and, and rushes that they, they – they throw kit the kitchen sink at a quarterback, right? Like they're they spin the dial. They play one high, two high man zone. They play a lot of a lot of man to man coverage, which we know the Patriots have had trouble with. And then their third down package is very Patriot like. Well, they'll put you know five six guys up on the line of scrimmage, and they only send four, but you don't know which four are coming, so you have to decipher all of that post snap. Uh, that's a great point by by Nick there about. That's that's some of the stuff that I just laid out, you know, the disguising, uh, the pressure, man to man, like that that's the kryptonite for the Patriots offense so far. So the under uh, as he as he yeah. said is a is a good pick here. Uh let's let's clear some of these phone calls out and a lot of people have been waiting on hold for a long time and we appreciate that and then we'll we'll get into some of the other things we wanted to discuss. But uh Christian is in oh, let's start with Patty actually. He's been on hold longer. What's up Patty if you're still there? Hey, you guys will see me on Sunday, too. I'll be at the stadium. I love nice. that. Oh, hey, you know what, though? I I don't know what to expect. I really don't. Um, yeah, I've been, to, I've been to Gillette Stadium, or not Gillette, but I've been to Foxborough. I've been to Game 17 times, guys, in my life. And um, the only time they've ever lost was back in 95 when they played the Broncos. And you know anything about John Elway? He never lost to the Patriots. Or the, or the Bengals in his career. And, you know, part of me likes to think that I'd like to keep my good luck streak going, you know, just selfishly and egotistically. But part of me thinks that, like, damn, maybe with all this, you know, with um, all of our cornerbacks hurt, I know we just picked up J.C., but, like, you know, all the, all the top-of-the-run guys out of this game and all the potential firepower that the Saints have, I, I might I, – I might see another 37 to three games because that was the final score of that Broncos game. I hope not. I do have a little bit of faith that um, Matt's going to pull his head out of his rear end and uh, hopefully play a decent game. Hopefully play within structure. But um, I'll, I'll tell you what: the defense, I'm, with the loss of Judon, with obviously Gonzalez and the other two Jones is not being on the field. It, it really worries me, guys. Give me some hope, Alex. Give me some hope, baby. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Patty, as always, and uh, have fun at the game, I hopefully. I, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to lose this game in a blowout, but I thought what, uh, what Nick also said about that this Saints offense, I think it's different from the Patriots offense, even though their their production is very similar and that being not good. Uh, I think the difference is is that the Saints have some pieces offensively yeah. they just haven't really pointed all the pieces in the right direction and Derek Carr I think it's it Brady made it look so easy that it, yeah. you know some people forget Derek Carr was in in uh, Vegas I guess now but with the Raiders for like a decade and then he has to come to a completely new system a completely new area like move coast to coast and like uh, there's a transition period there but when you look at the Saints roster offensively uh, they have some first round picks on their offensive line they have Chris Olave on the outside who's a great receiver and, and still is playing well even though the Saints offense as a whole isn't Uh, Alvin Kamara is back now after his suspension Uh, there's just there's more pieces on that side of the ball so my fear of this game 
is that is that the Saints are going to finally figure it out a little bit offensively and they're going to get some things rolling on that side of the ball and I don't think the Patriots even against New Orleans they don't have the firepower that New Orleans has if this ends up being a game that does get into let's say the 20s versus a game that we're all picking which would be like a rock fight in the teens right I I think with Carr too there's the thing about his shoulder like you mentioned he's got to come in he's got to learn new offense and now he's struggling to throw the ball he can't throw the ball deep which is something they probably wanted to do yeah so yeah he actually is a most of his career he's been a pretty good deep ball thrower yeah like that's not you know he doesn't have this big cannon in terms of like driving the ball into tight windows at the intermediate level I've never really thought of him as like a great anticipatory passer like over the middle of the field uh, but deep balls he's usually been pretty good at that and uh and yeah I guess at that shoulder he was 0 for 5 on deep passes last uh, last week so that that that's what I'm interested in with this game is just that because Bill even said earlier this week like yeah you know good deep ball team you got to be ready for it yeah is that something they can do I I would you have a quarterback with a with a bad shoulder injury most guys don't play through. I would make him put as much as he can on every pass. And uh, like like Nick said, he's trying to throw the ball deep to Chris Olave last week. It goes 50 yards, but it comes up short. That's, that J.C. Jackson's, you know, hearing bells when he hears that. That's his play. So <laughs> The I, underthrown deep ball interception. Right, let's – well, because he's good at – yeah, yeah, like, he can recognize – Let's get the guy with the bad throwing shoulder to throw the ball deep. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely what the Bucks tried to do. The yeah. Bucks played a lot they played 84% of their downs in in zone coverage and like 60 something percent of it was split safety zone. So they just absolutely begged Derek Carr to throw it deep into their two deep zones and he tried a couple of times and failed and the rest of the game was all check downs right he threw like a a, i think it was a record like 14 passes behind the line of scrimmage or something like that it's a weird nick was saying it's a weird game if you look at the breakdown yeah but i also don't think that that was necessarily because the raiders were calling a bunch of screens because Derek carr couldn't throw the ball because of his shoulder i think that that's just what was open from the bucks perspective and the Bucks were just trying to get him to check it down, and he was taking the the, the check downs and taking the check downs, and the Bucks did a good job of rallying to the football. Uh, this is a you know you mentioned Shahid, Chris Olave, like those guys can get up the field. Uh, they they can get up the field and, and create on vertical routes and create opportunities to throw the ball deep. And the Bucks just they played soft zone, they played off coverage, they played two deep shells, and they just said the only way that you're beating us is if you matriculate down the field and that's I mean that's football nowadays in general like that's how everybody's playing it Uh, but I thought that was very telling uh, from Tampa Bay all right Christian is in LA what's up Christian hey you guys good afternoon to you Uh, so so two 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 things and I kind of harped on a little bit on the last show but I know you guys have to really go quickly on the other show so you can't really dig into it but I just wanted to touch on it again and then I had a Mac Jones uh, um, something that I saw in Mac Jones that I, I would like to point out and see if you guys see it too or don't see it. First things first, um, and thanks for taking my call, guys. I appreciate the show and love uh, love talking to you guys. No problem. Thank pleasure. you. Yeah, right on. Uh, so first things first, I see this as being sort of a five-win team, and that's sort of, to me, the high mark. If we don't have our defense anymore and – just the offense just really is trying to figure itself out. In this league, trying to figure yourself out means you're not going to win very many games. You may get it together for a couple of games and see some bright spots and what could be 
coming up, but you're not going to win very many games. So for me, we're going into the next into this draft like top seven, right? Top ten pick. We already have that 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 pick. Why can't we? And mostly, you get a second round pick at some point in the second round. Why couldn't we take our third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round pick and package them to like a team like San Francisco that's not going to be trying to really build an impact player next draft? They're looking for more depth and stuff like that, and wind up with a great first rounder, um, someone maybe in the bottom of the first round that we get from five picks from something else, and a good second rounder, three impact players to change the culture, change the team really quickly. Could you kind of dig into the philosophy of that? But then the thing about um, Mac Jones is, and I know it's not fair to compare anything to Tom Brady at all, so I'm not really doing that. But it seemed like Brady had this sort of succession of, of football intelligence where the first quarter he would throw some things out there and sort of try some things. The second quarter he would see how those things are really affecting and working the defense. The third quarter he would know what the defense was going to do, and in the fourth quarter he would light you up. It doesn't seem like Mac Jones has that level of football intelligence to make that progression as the game unfolds. Thank you, guys. I'll take off the air. I appreciate you guys so much. No problem. Thanks, Thanks for the call, Christian. Uh, we appreciate it. So the draft thing, uh, definitely more of like an off-season deep dive yeah, that we I, can I, do. I, I was trying to keep that. So, so basically that. what he's saying is, is why don't you just take – your your ten draft picks that you have, yeah. and consolidate it to three, but you're getting three top fifty picks. Out oh, of, you be- know what I mean? Like that. That's I think basically the argument. Um, because one one is I think a lot of teams don't just want a bunch of late draft picks, right? Because you got to yeah, roster that, all those guys. And the flip yeah. side of it is, to a certain extent, you need a certain number of guys on your roster that are on rookie contracts. Because if you have to fill too many spots with free agents, it's it's going to kill your cap. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's not the NBA. You can't do that. The, the NFL draft is much more nuanced. And yeah, yeah, look, like intelligent he, he than call, the NBA. Yeah, he called in with PU to PU, and and we we did have to kind of yeah. quickly talk about it because we had to get the picks. We had to hurry. Right. Uh, but the biggest thing was is you know yeah like I I love the idea if the Patriots are picking you know like to use his example yeah. they're picking seventh which means they're picking what thirty eight or thirty nine yeah. in the second round if they want to jump back into the first round at the end of the first round instead of picking at the beginning of the second round because they really like a guy on night one then I'm all for that but they're going to have to trade from future drafts to make right that you happen. can't nobody's so he basically wants to trade what three four five six and seven for a low one yeah yeah nobody's going to do that yeah. that's just yeah. If you could do that, every team would do it. That's pretty much why. Uh, the second point, the reason Tom Brady was able to do that is because he had the margin for error. Because he knew if he got down 10, 14 points early on, yeah. he was good enough to quickly score and he could fall back on what he does best. Mac Jones, most quarterbacks don't operate within that margin for error. Yeah. So that was a uniquely Brady thing. Like Mahomes can do it. Rodgers did that a little bit. Peyton did it. That's a elite, elite, elite quarterback kind of thing to be I would able also, to sort of just use the first half of the game like a preseason. Uh, yeah, no, totally. And I would also just say that like with Brady, Brady it wasn't that he cut corners, but like Brady didn't have to worry about every little thing, right? You right. know, like Brady didn't have to worry about, okay, where are my eyes on this play? Where are my footwork on this play? Cause all that type of stuff was just innate to him. Like he just, it just came. So he, he had done it so many times and he did it at such a high level that it just kind of came to him naturally of my footwork, my cadence, my eye, my eyes, where are they? What's my read? What's the intent of this play? Like all the things that Mac was talking about yesterday, right? All that type of stuff was natural to Tom Brady. So he could go to that next level of 
deciphering defense and deciphering how the game is declaring and how are they defending us and how are they defending me and all these types like that type of nuance of the game i uh, i don't know if mac has is necessarily has the capability to graduate to that because he's still worried about where are my feet and where are my eyes on this play right right you know? and what are we doing before we even get to the defense it's like what are we doing first and then we get to that brady knew what we were doing all the time right, right. like he had already mastered that piece of the equation so it's tough it's tough to then you know play the chess match and do all that stuff when you're still not confident in, in yourself and what you're trying to do uh before we get to the rest of the phone calls i i do want to talk about jc jackson uh before before um, we start to lose people here in the second hour, uh, the Patriots uh, made a trade yesterday, obviously for JC yeah. Jackson. And um, I, I also subscribe to the, a lot of the positivity that's come out about this trade uh, on, on a money side of things and in a trade, uh, you know, capital side of things. They basically gave up nothing yeah. to get him. He was going to get cut by the chargers. They basically gave up nothing to get him. And I think uh, watching his film, Yesterday, and uh, as we're you know, when the trade officially gets announced, he was out at practice. I think it actually literally just got announced as I just oh, did it. Yes, uh, so the trade is official now, uh, for JC Jackson. But I think the biggest thing is, is uh, when I watched his film against the Chargers, I thought the Chargers fundamentally misunderstood the player and a player that they were getting. And I, I know you'll, you'll jump right on this, Alex, because you hate Brandon Staley. Well, he's so a this, bad coach, so this is right up your alley. I felt like the Chargers thought that they were getting this Revis Gilmore lockdown corner. They're right that when they played Miami in week one, they could just line them up across from Tyree Killer, Jalen Waddle, and be like, JC's got, got number 10. You know, we're all set there. And that's never been the type of player that JC Jackson is. Uh, JC Jackson's a boomer bust corner, he's a ball hawk. He's, yeah. he, you know, he's a, a, a lot, you know, for people that I don't know why you wouldn't have watched JC Jackson, but you know, it's it, a lot like the conversation that we have talked about with Jack Jones, right? Like that's the type of corner that he is. He's a boomer bust guy. He's a ball hawk, whatever you want to call it. And when you start to look at uh, the, the film, I, I, I thought that he looks like JC and you look at the, the coverage stats and last year was a disaster for him. The fir- the five games he played before the knee injury uh, was a disaster, but he was you know transitioning to a new scheme, a new coast, all that kind of stuff that I was talking about with Derek Carr, I think applies here this year. When you start to look at some of the coverage metrics, his metrics were starting to level back off to what he was closer to 2021. Uh, you know, similar completion rate into his coverage, similar success rate, had an interception in Miami and then also gave up 99 yards, right? Like that's, right. that's JC Jackson. And I think the doll, uh, the chargers, excuse me, just had this, this, uh, this belief that they were getting this lockdown number one corner. And in reality, he, the player that he was against Miami, 99 yards, but an interception, that's all, that's who he's been. When he's elevated to that number one spot, when he was playing behind Stephon Gilmore and, and, you know, those guys, that's a little bit different. But when he was the Patriots pseudo number one corner and what was that, 21 or 20 or 21 was the all pro season. Yeah, 21. That that was who he was. And uh, I, so I think in some ways there, there's that. And you know, there's a couple of the plays he gave up against Miami. He gives up a big uh, explosive to Jalen Waddle trying to play him out of the slot. No, like not his game, right? Like Jalen Waddle right. runs a little quick slant on him and, and gets open and gains like 35 yards. He gave up an explosive on ty- to Tyree Kill on one of those motion routes. 
everybody gives up explosives to Tyree Kill on the motion routes. That's why they run the motion routes is because they're impossible to cover. And then he gave up the touchdown over the top to Tyree Kill where he didn't have safety help, right? Like, you're, how are you not putting safety? You're putting him in press man with inside leverage against Tyree Kill, and he doesn't have safety help over the top. Like, what do you right. expect to happen? He got burned. Like, that's exactly what was going to happen. So, in a lot of ways, I, I'm optimistic about this trade helping the Patriots because – one, they just needed corners. Like they just needed playable corners and right. running a, a mere speed and Sean Wade and Miles Bryant out there the rest of the season was not an option. And they needed to be better than that. So they get a guy that can keep them competitive on defense. They get a guy that, that can turn the ball over some on defense. They only had two takeaways in the first four games of the year. So maybe he gets some of those Mr. INTs, right? And I, I like the player. And, I, and you know who he is. You know he's not anything special. Yeah, I, I wonder where he's at physically coming off that knee injury. Yeah, and, and I think he had even said that he wasn't completely healthy. Uh, look, they need a corner. They didn't give up much. If they want to keep him, they can just restructure his contract and keep him down the road. So if that all makes sense. It's not a negative move. I, I don't know that he saves everything. I, I I don't think that you know he's a one for one. So I, I is he going to play as well as Christian Gonzalez was playing? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Christian no, Gonzalez is playing at an incredibly high level, and when you also lose Matthew Judon. <laughs> It's a big ask for him to come in and basically have the defense pick up where they left off. So we'll see. We'll see where he's at physically. I, I, I have nothing against the move, but I don't know that it's this um, over-the-top automatic success that some people are, are, are making it out to be. It's a, They were desperate for a corner, and they went out and got one, and it made it easier to facilitate that they knew the guy. I wonder, and there's been some reporting that kind of suggests this, if he was going to end up here one way or the other once he got yeah. cut. And the injuries just kind of created a situation where they couldn't wait for him to get cut. And I said that and people pushed back on me. Like, oh, no, it's a smart move because if he got cut, he might not have come back here. I don't know how big the market was going to be for him I also for just, a number of reasons. I, I think he has to look at it and be like, this is the place I belong. In oh, this is of, a huge win for him. Yeah, you know, getting massive, back to where I was. Massive win for him. Yeah. If I'm him, I'm ecstatic. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I don't know that it's... I, I still have my serious concerns about this defense. Yeah, I, I'm not sitting here saying either that like season back on because they got right. J.C. Jackson. But I, I do think that their defense is now going to remain competitive. Like, is it going to be as good as it was going to be? Obviously not. But right. I think they'll still be competitive on well, that side Well, this is ball. where I'm like, because he, he has a bad knee. Like, is he healthy? Yeah. How much can you count point. on him to just go out there and... I wonder about that. Yeah, I don't know. I also, there's a sell. I'm not saying this is a concern. I'm just saying it, it. You can take it as a positive. You can take it as a negative. This is just an observation I have. Uh, Trey Flowers looks like he's going to be one of the guys that gets activated. Yeah. JC Jackson's back. Is there a level of them, you know, Bill, where things aren't going well, just trying to lean on familiarity above yeah. all else? Yeah, I think that that's definitely fair. But I, the, I, I don't critique him for the familiarity in season. Okay, because it's really hard to get. A guy I, I don't up and say it as, as a season. critique. I posed the question like it's, I was talking to somebody earlier today, right? Like Kyle Van Noy signed with the Ravens two weeks ago because they had some injuries. Let's say that doesn't happen. Are we talking about Kyle Van Noy here right now with Matthew Judon going out? Like, I just think it's different when you talk about in season because it's so hard yeah. to get a guy up and running. Again, and so, I'm not saying it as a critique. I'm just saying it as an observation. I, yeah, I just think that this comes out a lot about Bill in the retreads, but it it sometimes bothers me with the retreads when they do it in the off season. Like, it's like, do you really need to bring back this guy in the off season when there's other guys available that might be better? But 
in season, you're in a situation where you just need to get guys that can play for you on Sunday. And since J.C. Jackson knows the system and he knows the defense, if he's healthy, right. he's going to be active on Sunday. It, it, so so it, it's, it's more for me with that. The concern here is he. You, you talk about how he plays. He has to be explosive. He has to be able to yeah. you know, T-step, plant his foot in the ground, make cuts, make up for lost ground. Yeah. Does he have that kind of pop in his lower body coming off that knee injury? It's a fair. It's a fair wonder. It's a fair ask. Uh, last thing on on JC, and then we'll we'll move on. JC, Jonathan Jones, and let's say Miles Bryant yeah. probably in the slot. You could do worse. Wasn't that the secondary in twenty twenty one? Basically, it was right because they didn't have Steph that year. They you, traded him. Yeah, but it's basically. I think in terms of talent level, you're basically in the same spot that you were in twenty one and twenty two. So Jeff Howe, this I think this happened while we were on here. Reported that Jack Jones is probably another you know two weeks away. Yeah. I think if you can get about two weeks, I don't want to say that like put words in Jeff's mouth that it's definitive, but let's say let's let's just say Halloween as and I think that was the the num- the date given. When he first went on IR, Mike Reese has reported something along those lines as well. Let's say it's Halloween. If you can get to a point where your corners are Jack Jones and J.C. Jackson on the boundary and you move John Jones back into the slot, and I, I, I don't know if they will or not, but like, if, if your top three corners are Jack Jones, John Jones, and J.C. Jackson, who's going in? Like, Are they going to bench one of those three guys for Miles Bryant? Maybe they might bench Jack Jones for Miles Bryant. But yeah. the point being like, J.C. Jackson... Jack Jones on the boundary, John Jones on the slot. That's legit. It's not that's bad. a legit secondary. You can do a lot worse, and with and uh, like we can get ahead. I because yeah. I, I see people in the in the chat talking about this, and I've got questions about this. Uh, you know, next year is it Christian Gonzalez and JC as your yeah. outside corners yeah. like that? Yeah, that could be really fun. Yeah. Let's see what JC J. Jackson looks like before we start doing that. But yeah, yeah, it, it could be a lot worse, and I think especially with a, a coach like Belichick, like I still give Bill the maximizing the talent on the defensive side of the ball. I still think he does that at a high level. And so I think if you look at how they'll use JC, how they'll use John Jones, like those guys will be playing to their strengths and playing in roles that they belong in and things like that. And I, I, it's basically the secondary talent wise that they had the last two years. Like obviously we were all hoping they were going to take that next step with Christian Gonzalez being that true number one Gilmore type corner unfortunately it gets hurt it's a bummer but I think you at least you know last year they were still a pretty good defense like they weren't a great defense but they were a good defense yeah. and I think they'll be a good defense still if JC is, is ready to go all right let's do a uh, three up three down real quick and uh we'll get into this and then we'll take some of these calls and and, and we'll uh, wrap with some more on the Saints um so I did a little differently this week because of uh, obvious reasons, uh, the result of the game. Yeah, and uh, I have two up and three and four down. So okay. I, I I took I only did two. Uh, let's start with the positives though. Okay. Uh, best player in the game for the Patriots I thought was Dietrich Wise. Okay. Uh, Dietrich Wise really good in this game. Uh, five pressures, sack, uh, another TFL on the run game. I thought he was disruptive. I thought he read uh, blocks extremely well. I thought he worked well on the on the games or the stunts up front. I, I think Dietrich Wise, you know, he's not um, he's not Matthew Judon. He's not a game wrecker. He's not a, a a Tuesday player, as we like to call him. But he's a guy that I think teams know of and is starting to get a little bit of a positive reputation around the league in terms of being someone you got to worry about. He's a really well-rounded player all of a sudden. You know, I think he's one of those rare guys that comes in and in like year six or year seven of his NFL career 
kind of takes that next step to being extremely well-rounded and he's much more violent with his hands in the run game and getting off blocks and his block anticipation has really improved and his leveraging has really improved uh, I, I've been impressed with him all year but I thought this game he was particularly really well really good excuse me yeah I'll go I'll go with uh Hunter Henry I know you didn't love his game his blocking but he keeps making catches and he's the only guy that makes good like one-handed look uh, I'll say this catches I guess is the way to say we kind of talked about the compete level in that game right Hunter Henry showed up yeah and in a game like that a guy showing up to me gets him on the up list (laughs) um you're entering this really interesting spot with Hunter Henry because if they Again, I said the thing before, I don't believe they're going to fall on tank, but if they end up on a spot where they're sellers at the deadline, which I don't think they will be, but let's say they get there, yeah, you're going to be able to get something for Hunter Henry. Yeah. Because he keeps making plays. And honestly, the Cowboys are a team I look at. They're like, can you get a third-round pick, maybe a second-round pick with a pick swap for Hunter Henry? Yeah. And and, and I, I know you hate to hear this because uh, you know he, he's one of, one of your guys. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne. At, uh, Kendrick Bourne, yeah, to Kendrick me, Bourne too. But I, 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 like Kendrick Bourne to me is going to be the guy that if they're truly out of it at the deadline, you know, yeah. three and eight or something, whatever the deadline is, uh, in terms of record. Well, look, his, his one, his contract's up at the end of the year. I, yeah. He's not coming back. I would love to see him go somewhere and win. You know how I feel about Kendrick Bourne. It gets it. You know, I, I've come to terms with the fact that he won't be a Patriot next year, one way or the other. Right. But Hunter Henry, I mean, Cowboys need a tight end. And and again, I think you get something for him. Uh, you want me to give my second up? Yep, Miles Bryant. Okay. I, all right, you're gonna. A lot of people are gonna roll their eyes on this. And by the way, I see people saying in the chat getting annoyed at me for saying Bill Belichick might bench Jack Jones for Miles Bryant. Uh, he did that last year, so there's history of that. Okay. Um, that that the CD Lamb touchdown. That's just such a bad. Again, it's not like there's a ton of ups to choose from in this game, right, Evan? And. It's a bad spot for him. It's yep. just a bad... He shouldn't be out there. This goes to my whole point about Miles Bryant. Miles Bryant's a solid rotational football player if you use him correctly. Having him one-on-one, C.D. Lamb on the outside... He was put in a tough spot. Right. I look at the two fumbles he forced, Yep. and he made some competitive tackles, stepping up the line of scrimmage, which he, he continues to do. There's sort of slim pickings. You only pick two ups. I'm not going to get on you. I'm not yelling at My, you. So yeah, you yelled at me a little bit yeah, for I it did. yesterday, I but it's slim pickings. There were some isolated plays where I was like, all right. Again, it's that thing. He showed up. I thought yeah. at the very least, Miles Bryant showed up in a game like that. There aren't that many guys you can say that about. All right, my second up, and then we're going to. Or do you have three? I, I do have three. Okay, you're you're nicer than me. Uh, okay. Well, one of them is it's literally just one play. Second, uh, Jelani Tavai. Jelani yeah, Tavai was good in this game. Uh, made four stops against the run, three pressures in, on the quarterback. I I understand that there's like a bigger philosophical problem with Jelani Tavai in terms yeah. of like Bill likes that type of guy because he just does his job. It's like Miles Bryant. It's the usage thing. Yeah, I get that, but I actually think that Jelani Tavai's turned into a pretty solid pl- player for them. And I think that he's going to play a lot now that Judon's not here. So just yeah, get, play a lot, just yeah. prepare yourself for the fact that 48 is going to be out there a ton on this defense. I'm not saying that he should be over Keon White. Don't get on me. But I'm just telling you that in this game, this was probably one of the better games I saw Jelani Tavai play. Uh, he was really he was disruptive in this game. Uh, beat a couple really, uh, really well done uh, yeah. in terms of shedding blocks in the run game in this game. Deflected a pass that he almost picked off at the line of scrimmage. Uh, got the sack on the goal line. He was unblocked, but he he made the play. Uh, so I, I was impressed by Tavai in this game. And I he was already playing a lot before Judon got hurt. 
He had a 66% snap usage, I yeah. think, in the first four games of the season. So he has his own role. Like, this isn't like Jelani Tavai is replacing Matthew Judon, and he wasn't playing before. Uh, this just means that Jelani Tavai is going to play a little bit more on the edge, I would say, of the defense versus off the ball. Uh, but I thought he was really good in this game. So that those are my two. I gave them both on the defense because the offense doesn't deserve anything. I don't know why I didn't. Jelani Tavai and Dietrich White. I don't know why I didn't pick any, any defensive ones, because it's just the whole – recap of the game I'm just focused on the offense and what yeah. happened um my third one was Demario Douglas I yeah he wasn't good on the punt returns but that that move was awesome up the sideline yeah. that kind of cut and spin too uh, dynamic for the Patriots yeah for that move he's on the lid I think you were actually the one who tweeted about him on the punt returns and yeah. he needs to do a better job getting up field so credit to you for talking about special teams you're welcome um yeah, you and you were spot on. You can't be moving laterally. You got to just start getting up the well, field. But I, it's something that I, Troy Brown has always said to us yeah. when we talk to him is like the key of being a good punt returner is getting vertical on punt. You got to be aggressive. You got to take it to him. Yeah, uh, I would just say with uh, Douglas, uh, we mentioned uh, Shahid on the Saints a couple times. Uh, he's Shahid's a little bit bigger than Douglas yeah. is. He's like six feet one eighty. Uh, obviously, Douglas is not that tall. Uh, but there, that's the type of player. If Shahid has a big game on Sunday for New Orleans, like that's what you as a Patriots fan hope that pop Douglas is going to become like, he's one of those right. just jitterbug game breaking uh, bursty guys. All right, let's get, <laughs> let's get to the duds. Yeah. Uh, this is uh this is going to be fun. All right. So we have four duds for me. Okay. Four. I'm going to guess we have a lot of overlap. But go uh, number one's Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones got to yeah. be number one. Uh, I, I mentioned a lot about it already. So I'm not going to like continue to beat the dead horse about the footwork and the decision-making. All of it was bad. Second quarter, all of it was bad. I think the biggest thing with Mac in terms of getting him back on track, they need to get him back to obviously playing within himself and yeah. playing within the system and then and then taking some of the layups. Like so the things that irked me the most about this game from Mac was like some of the crossers to Devontae Parker that he missed, like just these shallows, right? These shallow yeah. crossers over the middle of the field and it's like throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it sack or throw it throw it throw it throw it late almost intercepted right like those are the types of throws that like he's got to make you know a lot of people have been talking about the Gasicki one in the end zone Devontae Parker is the read on that play Devontae Parker is wide open like five yards in front over the ball you know running a little shallow drag over the ball and Mac Jones all Mac Jones got to do is put it on him and he's just going to turn up field and walk into the end zone right and he doesn't yeah completely skips the read just doesn't see it just completely ignores it i they he's got to do a much better job of seeing the field like all the footwork stuff the decision making stuff I, I i'm willing to bet that it'll be better than that on on sunday with the saints uh, but the the reads and seeing the field and stuff that's not mac like mac usually right. sees the field pretty well it was disaster it was bad yeah he, he wasn't good he was bad he was bad in this game he was yeah. bad and there, there was no oh well you know this part of his game was fine or that yeah. part of his game was fine the complete thing after the first drive the complete thing fell apart so i yep. had him as my number one down too all right uh number two down and this uh this is uh speaks to what we were talking about with the offensive line at the beginning of the okay. show uh, Vidarian Low, like Vidarian okay. Low, is not an NFL tackle. I'm sorry, I, he started three games this year. He has given up 22 pressures. Is it that many in three games? He's given up 17 over the last two games. 17. That's a lot at right tackle. Eight last week, nine this week. It's no contest, right? Like especially if you're going up against a good edge rusher like Micah Parsons. I'll give Vidarian Low this. 
he gets his hands on you initially, he just can't stay with it, right? Like once he, he, okay, I'll get my punch. I'll get my hands on you. But as soon as you start running the arc, I'm like, you're, you're past me. Right. And, and that it just, it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not playable. Uh, they got to do something at right tackle. Like it's, it's, a, it's Vidarian Lowe's not the answer. They got to do something at right tackle, whether it's Riley, Riley Reef, Mike Onwenu, uh, City So even like getting an opportunity out there. I don't know, but like they have to look elsewhere at right tackle. Uh, he's been a disaster. So I, I just had the entire offensive line. Yeah, that's and fair. it's yeah. So is probably the worst. Uh, low, er, low was yeah. low probably the worst of all of them. But they in the run game, in the pass game, it didn't matter. They couldn't get a freaking push. And I know that Dallas front is good, but. I mean, did was there one snap where they won off the ball? They're, they're few and far between, if any. And again, the inability to move the ball in short yardage situations, things like that, has to be better. Has to be better. The entire group, uh, we, we've picked on their offensive line a lot this year. I think that it's was... Warranted. Well, I was going to say, like, I, it's not that they've played a bunch of great games. I think that was their worst game of the year, and I don't think it was close. Yeah, it, the right side, especially my second. And it's 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 not sorry, and it's yeah, not no. even like you can say, oh, you know, they played a good front in Dallas, so of course it was their worst game. They played Philly, yeah. in Miami, in the Jets. They've played four good fronts. Dallas might it's Dallas might be the worst front they faced. It's not in the top half because Philly's better yeah. and um, the Jets. the Jets are better. Yeah, you them in Miami can nitpick that, but this was. Pound for pound, one of their easier games of the year, and it was their worst performance of the year. So I, I had Mike Onwenu as my as my okay. second down or third down. I guess I had so many of them. Uh, Mike Onwenu in this game. Uh, first of all, the penalties obviously are killer. Yeah, you know, three, three, three penalties. Any offensive lineman gets called for three penalties, you're going to be on the down list. But I also just think that he doesn't look right coming off the ball. You know, Mike Onwenu is a people moving guard. And he come, usually comes off the ball with aggression, uh, with a mentality. Uh, I just haven't really seen that at all from him. I thought he was okay in, in pass pro for the most part. But in the run game, they need him to be a much bigger impact. Like, he needs to be an impact blocker right. uh, for them in the run game. And, and he just really hasn't been consistently. I, I, I don't know if it's the ankle. I don't know if it's the lack of training camp. And this is basically his training camp. And he's trying to ramp it up in season or whatever. But going into the year, like that—that's your guy, right? right? Like that's the guy that you can—you're saying—is your best offensive lineman. He has not played like that, and he needs to play better. Or they're do going you nowhere. Think, do you think there's any element of there's too much on his plate because of what's happening at right tackle, and yeah, maybe he's starting to push it and overcompensate a little bit? And that's, I think, a, an even bigger reason why they need to move on from Vidarian Low and, yeah. and try some other people there. You know, it was put out today uh, by, uh, I think, Jordan Schultz had the report about Lyle Collins being, he's healthy and cleared a physical, uh, independent physical, obviously, yeah. uh, is from the ACL and the MCL. Like, the fact that Lyle Collins is not on line one right now is, uh, is shocking to me. Uh, I'm okay with that. I don't think Lyle Collins is the ultimate fix. Everybody thinks he's 30 years old. He just shredded he, his Alex, knee. He's got to be better than this. He's got to be better. I'm not saying he's not worth a flyer, but... It wouldn't surprise me if in three weeks we're saying, all right, they tried Leo Collins. He didn't work. Now what? He's got to be better than what they have. And maybe even Riley Reef is better than what they have. So Riley Reef, I, I think they're going to try Riley Reef first before right. they try Leo Collins. That's fair. All right, what do you got? Um, my – how many in are we? We're three. All right, so I had Mac Jones. I said the offensive line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the offensive coaching staff. Okay. That team was not ready schematically. Yeah. That team was not ready 
emotionally. Yeah. Uh, the in-game decisions, I, I already kind of went on about that, about the, the short yardage situations in the first half were bad. Uh, it was it was just all bad. It was all bad. It was a team that did not look prepared from a coaching point of view. And you, you got to look at the coaches and say, what exactly was the plan this week? Yeah. I I had Bill Belichick and as so, my fourth so, down. So, sorry, I yeah. wanted to add one more thing to that. Yeah. Again, I, I, I think they should have run the ball traditionally more. And I think we both agree on that. Yep. And then there was that report Sunday morning about from Zeke. Ian Rapport that Zeke was going to get starter type reps and all that. He touched the ball nine times. Yeah. Maybe. And most of those are when the game was out of reach. Yeah. Again, third and one in the red zone. This is Zeke's game. It's his homecoming. You don't think he's a little extra jacked up. You can't give him the ball on an HB dive. Like what they should have come in. The Cardinals ran. The Cardinals yeah. ran for 222 yards on the Cowboys a week before. And there was zero interest in getting under center and just plowing ahead with the football. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? I, and I, I know I you, you. You, you, you kind of explained before you can't traditionally run on the Cowboys because they do this. You got to. You know what? I, I think at a cert, as much as we like to talk about the breakdown between the two teams, I think there is something to be said. You know, not for the entire game, but there's something to be said for, you know what? Forget what they do. We do this well, so we're going to try to do but, it. But the problem is in the run game right now is what do they do well? Well, they don't pass the ball. <laughs> well, no, but I'm not talking about the offense as a whole because yeah. there's things in the passing game that I could point to and say, you know, these couple of O'Brien staple concepts I guess they've I would ran say, well. The play I, action I would say they've ran well. You, like, they, they can't – you can't be so afraid of it to the fact that you don't even try it. Okay. And well, it, it, maybe it doesn't work. And you brought this up in the beginning of the show. Yeah. And I, we only have 20 minutes left, so this is probably a much bigger topic to unpack. But I had somebody reach out to me uh, uh, that I don't want. I don't know if he wants this out there, okay. so I'm not going to use his name. It's not anybody like in the organization yeah. of Alabama. It's just somebody that covers Alabama football. And he, he kind of said, like, this is what you see. Like, this is what oh. I was trying to tell you. As somebody who it, watched Alabama yeah, football like they, last year, he yes. He doesn't run the ball. You know, he doesn't traditionally run the football. And I said that I thought that he would up here when they hired Bill O'Brien. I thought that he would because Bill would make him. Like Big Bill, not Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Like Bill Belichick would make him. And uh and that hasn't necessarily been the case. You know, they they've they kind of use like the 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 bad starts as an excuse like oh we were playing from behind and we had to throw our way back in. You get down by two touchdowns, you don't just completely abandon but the also, run game. But also, this game, even if you want, even if that is their philosophy, that if we're down two scores, we're not gonna, we're not gonna run the ball. Even if that is their philosophy, it is. I forget. Was it three nothing or nothing nothing on that third and one? I think it was three nothing. Three nothing. Yeah. Three nothing. So the Cowboys already kicked a field goal. It's three nothing. Yeah. You, you should not be abandoning the run down three nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. You should not at half ten three. Yeah. In the second quarter. That is not a spot where you're giving up on the run game. Yeah. This was not, oh, we were too far behind, so we couldn't run the ball. That's not what this was. It's fair. And uh, do you want to do Saints key matchups or are we not going to have time? I think we're going to have time. Okay, because there's a, a number moving forward that I want to bring up in relation to this, but we can do it when we talk about the Saints. Okay, so uh, really quickly, I had Bill yeah. Belichick on my down list, yeah. so I think it's along the same lines. I agree with you wholeheartedly about some of the play calling offensively. One last thing about the play calling. They only called two screens. Two screen passes the entire game. 
against a front that was eating their offensive line alive. Like you yeah. don't think that trying to you know get invite Parsons and those guys to come up front and you know come downhill and then maybe just pop a screen o- over their heads to Ramondre or Zeke would have worked like maybe once. Like I'm not saying it's gonna work a ton, but like maybe you hit one play like they did against Philadelphia, right? Like they hit that right. one screen. So I was so- shocked about the lack of screen passes in this game. Uh, just really quickly on Bill. This to me is is a running theme with Bill that is getting me maybe even as as much concerned about it as the the personnel stuff that we talk about with Bill the GM. Yeah. Bill the game planner and Bill the 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 game coach, like the week coach, the game coach. And when I say week, I mean like the week of the week game. Week by week coach, yeah. Are we sure that he's still got the fastball on that too? Are we sure? I tried telling you this after week one. Because week remember? one, I thought he coached. They coached well against Philly. I especially defensively, they were they were really buttoned up on all the quarterback run stuff, the RPO game, like all they had that buttoned up. But at the same time, they had all off season to plan that that right. game plan. And the in game coaching in that game was not good. Right, but the game planning, like that's what I'm more concerned about because that's Bill, right. right? Like that's you. That's the chess master behind the scenes is the game planning stuff. That's what we were best game planner. Nobody you'd rather have. He has now gotten out coached in two of the last three weeks. He got out coached by Mike McDaniel. Yeah. M- Mike McDaniel really out coached him in that game. And then he got really out coached by Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn on Sunday, but especially McCarthy. Yeah. You know, McCarthy came out and I don't think that they were ready for Dak to sling it like that. You know, Dak in the gun. Three, 11 personnel, three wide receivers, spread the field. Where's 26? Where's 27 on the defense? Like, that, we're attacking these guys. I think they thought that, they, like I thought, and I, I hand up, like I thought the same thing. I thought that the Cowboys were going to put the ball under center. They were going to run the football like they always do. I thought that too. They didn't. They came out throwing. 18 passes in the first four drives of this game for Dallas. They went right down the field on the opening drive on six passes, right? Like, just in the gun, spread the field, throw the football. And the Patriots had no answers for it. I think people, the offense is clearly the issue with this team right now. So I'm not trying to point fingers at the defense. The Cowboys had five drives of over 10 plays in this game. They had five drives of over 70 yards. They had five drives over 10 plays. I think people look at the final score and are like, well, technically the defense only gave up 24 points. Like that's not that bad right? They didn't stop the Cowboys on, on their first drive of the game where you mentioned that the Cowboys kicked that field goal. Dak and Tony Pollard ran into each other, right? That's the only reason why the run didn't work. It's because they ran into each other on the play. The, the offense screwed up. They held them in the red zone. They had some good stuff in the red zone, but for the most part, Dallas drove the ball in this game at will. They drove the ball at will. And I get that the Patriots were shorthanded in the secondary. I get Christian Gonzalez got hurt at the end of the first quarter. The first quarter was the same, even with Gonzalez out there. So at this point, you know, this kind of comes back to like Bill and the job security and all that kind of stuff. We know that he's on the hot seat because of his personnel decisions. Rightfully so. Right. And if he's not a great game planner anymore, like that's the that's the Belichick mystique that Nick was talking about when we were talking to him about the Saints is the the Belichick mystique of game planning and taking away your best thing and like you know really out coaching you and think if he can't do that anymore then I present the question to to Mr. Kraft of what what does he bring to the table he doesn't the roster is not good the game plan and in-game coaching isn't necessarily good 
what is he bringing to the table? And if Bill's going to like rest on his laurels and figure something out for the rest of the season, he they've got to get back to out coaching teams again. Yeah. Cause they don't have the talent to make up for it. That's, that's why he makes the big bucks. That that's why he's here. So I was really frustrated by, by the fact that, you know, you mentioned all, all great points about the offensive coaching and, and the things that they didn't do offensively. Defensively, I thought that they were pretty much non-competitive as well, except in the red zone. I just like I didn't even look at the defense from this game. I was just so fig. It's like the offense. I couldn't take my eyes off. It. Yeah, it was such a train wreck. It, it was well, it was all a train wreck. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm trying to tell you. All right, all right. Uh, let's move on. Let's let's clear the phone lines, and then we'll do key matchups really okay. quickly. All right, Ty is in Seattle. What's up, Ty? Hey, how are you guys? Uh, first time caller. Just want to say thanks for everything you do. Um, thanks. I know when Juju came into. Juju came to the team. Uh, I was pretty excited for him. I feel like he's kind of been a bust since. Um, you know, he, he just doesn't get open, get that separation like we need. Uh, and just two other points I'll take off the air. Um, I was watching some film about from the Cowboys game. Uh, Matt's feet work is just regressing. It's horrible. Uh, he's, he's not playing his foot. And that throw, that throw he made across the numbers, you know, high school level mistakes. Um, you know, I was big on Mac. But again, you know, he's, every week he's just feel like he's regressing. Um, even that pick six, he immediately left the pocket. I mean, it was closing in, but he still had time in there. Um, and then a touchdown throw. That one definitely went over top. Um, he, he, you know, looked off his number one and number two option immediately. Um, he had that throw in the middle there. Um, you know, it's, it's after the fact, you know, when he went quarterback, but it's just, you know, it's not NFL level um, quarterbacking. And then last, uh, I'm just kind of curious why it feels like when I watch the past games compared to other games, they're just so slow looking on the field. Uh, their motion, their plays, there's just really no urgency there as far as uh, get the ball and go compared to some of these other new offenses in the league. And again, I'll take off there. Thanks for everything and uh, have a good day. Thanks for the call, Ty. Yeah, I mean, we broke down the footwork stuff with Mac, and, and that's definitely, you know, you're spot on. You're definitely seeing the right things there and, and things like that. In terms of the, the motion, and stuff like that. This was on my mind too, uh, because some of the stuff that they're like trying to hit is just too slow. Like it's just it doesn't all of it just doesn't move fast enough. Yeah. Right. And and we've talked about team speed on offense and it being a concern. I think one of the biggest reasons why um they're so slow on offense is because of how many tight ends they're playing. And they're playing two or three tight ends like all the time, right? You know, like they're playing two or three, either twelve personnel, thirteen personnel, like something like eighty five percent of the game in some of these games. I get why they're doing it. They're doing it because they need to figure out a way to block, right? So they're trying to put more blockers on the field to try to figure it out. But the 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 outcome is is like Mike Kosicki is like running a deep over. Mike Kosicki is not, you know, he's a fast tight end, I suppose, um, but he's not like a deep over special runner, right? Like he's, it's not like that shouldn't be him. You know, that's a route you're trying to win on and trying to, you know, generate an explosive off of. And you have a six foot six, two hundred and fifty pound tight end running it, right? So it just is too slow. It just doesn't work uh, like that. So they've got to figure out a way to run the ball. We know that, but I don't necessarily know if the heavy packages is doing them any favors because they can't throw out of it. So maybe eleven personnel is the way to go to get more receivers on the field. This kind of goes to you know everybody's point about Pop Douglas. Like you're only playing him eighteen snaps. Like some of these routes like that need to hit quicker need to be by run by faster people. Like Pop Douglas, uh, like a Kendrick Bourne, 
uh, like Taekwon if he ever gets his butt back on the field, right? Like, you know, those are the types of guys that need to be running those types of routes. All right, uh, Roman is in – or uh, Justin, sorry, go in order here. Justin's in Houston. What's up, Justin? Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey. Hey, man. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. So I got two things I want to say. Um, I was curious if you guys think – um, Bill Belichick would ever be relieved of his GM duties or pass that along to somebody else, kind of like a Nick Stereo type thing. But I think me personally, the game that's kind of just passed him by. I mean, you go back to whenever Cole Strange was drafted, Sean McVay was on live TV saying they had a fourth-round grade on the guy. And I got uh, one more thing. I want to say, Evan, um, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but what did you personally see in Juju? I know most guys thought he was an upgrade over to Jacoby, but... I never saw it. I mean, the guy couldn't even break a thousand yards with Patrick Mahomes stolen to him. And that offense didn't really have anybody besides Kelsey. But, uh, yeah, that's it for me. All right. Thanks for the call, Justin. We appreciate it. Uh, look, uh, we, I missed on Juju. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that. Uh, I thought that Juju is going to be much better than this. I, I think what I saw with Juju is a, a really good catch and run player. Uh, but the problem is, is that. Uh, for Kansas City, at least last year, uh, they found ways to get him into catch-and-run opportunities, and the Patriots just haven't really been able to do that. They haven't been able to get him loose and get him moving. He's not a jitterbug. He's not Pop Douglas, right? So he's not going to shake out of tackles. He has to be able to run with the football, you know, hit him on a slant and watch him run, hit him on a dig and watch him run with it. Like, those are the types of routes that he ran in Kansas City that he was effective on, and, and they just haven't gotten him loose. And this is something that Really, Alex, we're we're on like three different coordinators that like can't get these catch and run players the ball in space. Uh, I don't think I think McDaniel's really struggled with it with Nikhil yeah. Harry and with Johnu Smith. I think Patricia obviously struggled it with it last year again with Johnu. And I get that people can point to it and say, "Oh, well, those players just stink, right?" Like, and it's just on the personnel and it's on the player. John, who has more receiving yards than anybody on the Patriots yeah. this year, yeah, uh, yep, that's and he's just... the number two. T- well, we can talk about the Falcons' yeah. usage of I Kyle would, Pitts. I would trade for Kyle Pitts. That's right its now. own thing. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but you know, now they're doing it again with, with Juju. Juju is not a separator. Juju doesn't separate no. on his own. He's not like a one-on-one winner. Like that's not Juju Smith-Schuster's game. They gotta, you know, they gotta get him off the line of scrimmage. They gotta, you know, run him on rubs on like, you know, again, zone coverage. He's much better. Like, find ways to get him out into some space where he can run with the football. I'm not saying that that's gonna turn him into a thousand yard receiver, um, but that's what he was at his best, right? Yeah. Like, is running those types of routes, and they just haven't really gotten gotten that. But I was totally wrong about Juju and Jacoby Myers. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, Romans in Chicago. What's up, Roman? Uh, we left. Right. I didn't even leave Roman on hold for that long. That one, you know, some other people are waiting for like over an hour. When you call somebody's name and then you backtrack on it, people hang. You you, you can't do that. Oh, I then see. Like, oh, they're never going to get to me. So you, I, if, I if you screw up the order, you just got to stick I with know. it. It was on the screen in a different yeah. order. All right. Anyways, let's do key matchups really quickly. All right. All right. Uh, my first key matchup at this game. Maybe we'll have some overlap, which will help. <laughs> Vidarian Low against Cameron Jordan. This is to me when the Patriots have the ball. This is the game. Yeah. If they're going to leave Vidarian low at right tackle, Cameron Jordan, that's where he lines up. That's where he rushes over. It, Cameron Jordan might as well be 26 years old. Like, that's the way he doesn't play like a 34 year old. Timeless. It's wild. He's aging like fine wine. Uh, him and Demario Davis. Uh, this is a absolute mismatch, a, um, a monster mismatch on the same plane, I would say, as like. Not necessarily Micah Parsons, because I don't think Cameron Jordan's in that category of elite, but 
like John Franklin Myers, who also ate up Vidarian Low two weeks ago. This is a uh, this is a big uh, you know warning warning right like for me with the yeah. Patriots in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, I think the the toughest part too um, with Cameron Jordan is that he's a great run player as well. Like he can rush the passer, but he does it both at a high level. So that running the ball at him and pass blocking him for with Vidarian Low is going to be an issue for this team uh, on Sunday. So yeah, that that's my number one matchup. That's that's one that everybody should have circled. All right, I'll go with uh, on the other side of the ball, the Patriots. Because look, if the Patriots are going to win this game, they're going to have to do it defensively. Yep. Um, the, just the Patriots front seven against Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I have that one too. The Saints ran forty three plays last week. Yeah, which is low, but they ran forty three plays. Twenty five of those, yeah, were to Alvin Kamara. Fourteen targets, thirteen of them catches, eleven carries. Yeah, and that was his first week back after missing three weeks. Say what you know about Mike Thomas, Olave. I think Derek Carr's shoulder probably factors into this. Alvin Kamara is the game for the Saints offense. And I asked Lawrence Guy about him earlier today, and I was like, oh, you, you should, like, the way he cuts. And, like, yeah. they're clearly impressed with this guy. It's hard not to be. Lawrence Guy called him rare. His ability to cut back rare. He's slippery. You got to swarm to the football, gang tackling. They cannot be missing tackles this week. They cannot be missing tackles, especially against Alvin Kamara, because more often than not, again, 25 of 43 plays. That's way more than half. This is the guy the Saints are counting on to win them the game. you got to be able to shut him down. Yeah, he's he's a problem. Last week, you only had 11 carries in this first game back. All of them were outside zone runs, all 11. So they're, they're an outside zone team. Uh, he lo- Like you said, the cutbacks and things yeah. like that, that's his game. Uh, he's in t- impossible to tackle. His contact balance and his ability to break tackles has been his calling card since day one. Uh, he's great like that. I would say also in the passing game, like you almost have to treat him as a wide receiver in the passing game. So like Juwan uh, Juwan Bentley and Jelani Tavai cannot be isolated on Alvin Kamara on Sunday. Like you have to treat him like yeah, Amarde Mapu, Kyle Duggar, uh, maybe even Jalen Mills. Like you have to have somebody that's Adrian a, a cover guy uh, covering uh, Alvin Kamara when they flex him out or in the passing game. Uh, he's a problem, and, yeah. and with Derek Carr's shoulder. You know that's the guy the ball is going to funnel through right now. It's not going to be Olave, I don't think necessarily, because Olave is a, a vertical guy that needs to get the ball deep. I I, I think Kamara is going to be a big part of their game plan again. So I I would kind of add to this because I the way I write it now for ninety eight five I do like think things to watch for instead of key matchups. Um, within this, the defense has to start making plays. Yeah. And I know you. I think you tweeted about this this yeah. week, and it was a good point. People got mad at me. You were right. Don't blame the defense, especially now. It, 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 the defense can't just stop. And by the way, this is something the Saints defense does incredibly well. Yeah. This Saints defense, they're not out there to stop the offense. They're out there to make plays in their own right, whether it's tackles yeah. for losses, sacks, forcing turnovers, things like that. The Patriots defense needs to have that mentality this week. Not just tackling Alvin Kamara, but getting to him in the backfield. Not just knocking passes down, but picking them off when you get to the ball carrier, right? Because they got to be swarm tackling. First guy, hold him up. Second guy, punch it out. It's got to be things like that this week. Yeah, and look, I, I said this on Twitter, and I, I joke like about people coming after me, but they did come after me about it. And I thought it was a good take. My whole point was is that we can dis- disagree with the, the head coach here about the philosophical idea of winning the game on defense. We all agree that that's not how the game is played anymore. That's not how you can win anymore at a high level. We all agree 
But the bottom line is, is that they came into the season expecting their defense to be dominant. And when you're a dominant defense, you turn the ball over. It's not just about points per game. It's not just about points per game. The Patriots have had great defenses in terms of points per game that have given up a ton of yards and are bend, don't break, and then are good in the red zone and good situationally. So they don't give up, you know, 40 points a game. They only give up 18. This defense was not built for that. This defense was built to take the ball away. And I think a couple of different things that I've, I've noticed about the way that they play right now. First of all, you gotta, you gotta play Kyle Duggar closer to the ball. Kyle Duggar has got to be closer to the ball. Whatever you have to do with Devin McCourty's role, like whatever, whoever has to play post safety to make that happen, you got to try to make that yeah. happen. Because playing him 12 yards off the ball at the snap every single time is taking away his superpower, which is playmaking around the football. He's got to be around the ball because he has to be producing the turnovers he was producing last year. And he's not doing that right now because he's playing so deep off the line of scrimmage. So a guy like Kyle Duggar needs to be close to the ball. You get JC back. Hopefully Mr. INT yeah. comes up with his signatures, with right? And maybe Jack Jones comes back at some point and, and in ball Hawks a little bit as well. But in general, you are I'm sorry in the modern NFL, you are not a good defense. If you have two takeaways in four games, you just aren't in a lot of errors. I, I don't even think that's a modern thing. In but a lot of errors, you're but, not a good it's, defense. It's like, especially in this games. era, because like, because that that's how defense impacts the game more than anything else. Yeah, it's a back and forth, yeah. right? Like the offense is going to land some punches, and you have to land some punches. They they have to turn the ball over more than they have. Yeah, and that's the I I, I couldn't agree more with that. All right, uh, my my last one here. Uh, this one's go. You know me. I gotta go interior yeah. offensive okay. line. Okay. Uh, Hurst, their their right guard. Yeah. Against Christian Barmore. This is the weak point of their offensive line right now. And, of course, I'm blanking on his freaking first name like an idiot. Uh, but Christian Barmore, without uh, – I'll get it in here in a second. I'll, I'll get it. Keep talking. I'll get Christian it. Christian Barmore, uh, without Matthew Judon, becomes your second best pass rusher. Right? Josh Uj is your best pass rusher, and Christian Barmore becomes your second best uh, – it's James Hurst. James Hurst. Okay. All right, because and- Andrus Pete is out. Yeah. So James Hurst is their right guard. Uh, I think he's like something like 62nd among 70 guards in pass blocking grade right now in PFF, right? So, like, he, he can't pass block very well. And your one-two punch now in the pass rush becomes Josh yeah. Uche and Christian Barmore. So, I think they really need to get some interior pressure. Watching that film last week against the Bucks, Vita Vea just ate Hurst alive, was in the backfield for a lot of that game. Uh, so, I need to see that that old rookie season Christian Barmore. I know we all want to see Keon White right. off the edge, I was going to say, can we put Keon White in there as well? But... It's gonna Uche is gonna get a lot more attention now. Like Uche is gonna be the the Judon right. of this defense in pass rush situations now. Uh, they they have to get some interior pressure. They have to get some secondary rushers, and Christian Barmore has got to lead that. Okay, so I only gave one. One of them was just Rashid Shahid kickoffs yeah. contain him. Yeah. Uh, the last one. This is the number I've been teasing all game, Evan. Yeah. The Patriots third down offense. Yep. Against the Saints third down defense. Yeah. And again, when you get third and short. Yeah. Run the ball. They're not going to. Listen. Just to mess with you. The Saints have faced 17 third and shorts this year. So we're going um, uh, yards to go three or less. All right. Nearly an even split on those plays. They faced eight runs, nine passes. Yep. Okay. When teams... Throw the ball against the Saints on third and short. Yes. I can't tell if you're making fun of me or you're actually trying to follow. I have it on a table here. Do you want to see it? No, I just want you to keep going. 
when <laughs> when this is when we need a whiteboard on right, this show. When teams throw the ball against the Saints on third and short, yes, they are converting a first down thirty three percent of the time. That's not good. When they run the ball against the Saints on third and short, sixty two percent of the that time. That is good. That's better than the league average. Run the ball. The other one's worse. Run the ball. Run third and short. Third and one. Hand the ball off. I, I feel like Sandra Bullock way, in the blind side. Run the damn ball, and, Billy. And, and yes, the runs in Q include quarterback sneaks. I, no, no quarterback sneak. No handing it off out of the shotgun. No. You're not put, the Eagles. Put Zeke. Put Ramondre back there. Put Pharaoh Brown in front of him. Yep. And Sandra Bullock. Run <laughs> the damn ball. Ball. I think that, didn't that, that's there right. Go, there you go. Didn't that start with Marshawn Lynch? Uh, I don't know, but that that's All what right. I always think of but as Sandra Bullock. On third down, the Saints, yeah. good against the pass, bad against the run. On third and short, run the ball. And there's no sample size thing there. Same number of plays. I, I want run the ball. I want them to, <laughs> I want them to make. You know, they made these like tough guys cover kick T-shirts. Can we just run like make a uh, T-shirt that actually matters and it says "Run the damn ball"? Tough, tough like, teams run the ball on third yeah. and one. Yeah, that's a better T-shirt. Tough teams run the ball on third and one. All right, very last thing here, then we got to wrap. Uh, really quickly, just don't don't get yourself caught with your pants down when Taysom Hill comes in the game at quarterback. Uh, of please. course, yeah. yeah. Like it's not a it's not like this huge thing, but uh, that we need to break down for thirty minutes. Don't worry, Marine. But uh, the big the biggest thing is uh, <laughs> just like don't, he's looked at the clock. Don't be surprised. Like don't be surprised when they try to run like QB power with Taysom Hill, and all of a sudden it's you know it's the Wildcat Dolphins game with Ronnie Brown, right? Like just don't don't right. take it lightly and don't be surprised by it. Uh, the Patriots have a plan against it. They'll be fine. But they will put Taysom Hill at quarterback some in this game and have him run Wildcat. Like, that's going to happen. It happened. They did it last week. They're going to do it again this week. And they're going to try to hit the Patriots, I'm sure, on some of the things that have given them problems. You know, like power and counter with Lamar and Justin Fields last year. I'm sure they're going to try to do some of those things and test it and see if the Patriots are ready for it. So just don't get yourself caught in a place where you're like, oh, right, Taysom Hill, and then he's got, like, you know, a ridiculous game on his hands. We This this game is going to be uh, – offense is going to be at a premium for both of these teams, I think. You know, the Saints, their quarterback's banged up, and they haven't been a good offense so far. The Patriots haven't been a good offense because of their own reasons. And, uh, you know, this should be a, a 18-15, 17-14 type of game. And uh, you don't want Taysom Hill to be the difference in, in that for New Orleans. Like one drive that Taysom Hill comes right. out and runs the ball down the field. Uh, so just be ready for that. Uh, do you like the Patriots on the, in the in this game on Sunday? You you taking the Patriots? What yeah, because they're at home. Yeah, I, I do, but I don't feel great about it. Me neither. I'm taking the Patriots too, but uh, listening to Nick Hunderhill, I, I am a little bit concerned about the fact that the, the Saints probably have more offensive firepower that they just haven't really been using correctly. Uh, so I hope they don't hope this isn't the week that they figure it out. Um, but uh, that's going to do it here. Uh, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, leave those comments. Leave those reviews. We like them all, even the ones that are negative. Uh, so keep leaving those. Rate us on uh, you know Apple Podcasts or whatever. And uh, we will be back next week uh, to preview uh, the Raiders. Talk about this game against the Saints, and then uh, back to Vegas. I go, Alex. Back the to Luxor. Vegas. For the, the beam. You're going to see the beam. <laughs> this is the fourth time I will be in Las Vegas in a calendar year. And for most men, that's like, hell yeah, let's go to Vegas. For me, I am done with the desert. But I'll, I'll be there next week. So there we go. See you guys then. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. 
Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.